Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. Goodness, thank you all so much for being here. It has been a week already. Who knew? My name is Eugenio. You might recognize me as DM Jazzy Hands, and I am the storyteller for this Into the Motherver uh, Motherlands camp. Motherverse, that's a new game. Into the Motherlands campaign. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I have been anxiously awaiting Sunday night all week. Uh, you all, uh, we are this close to getting hashtag is it Sunday yet trending. Work on it, we'll get there. Uh, but welcome. We are gonna start playing this incredible game tonight, start telling this story, and I'm so excited. Uh, but it is obviously not just me here on screen this evening, and I wanna go around and introduce our four incredible role players. Uh, they'll let you know who they are, where you can find them on the interwebs, and now that we have them, what character they're gonna be playing for this campaign. Uh, so let's go around and let's go ahead and start with Michael. I wasn't ready. No, okay. I'm uh, so sorry. I'm not no, sorry. you're good. You're good. Uh, <laughs> so Michael Sinclair II. Uh, yeah, uh, I am playing Eli, um, and they are a Missajai Lightbringer. Um, what was the other information I was supposed to give? I'm still thinking about where the we physics. Can, where we can find you on the interwebs, you good. <laughs> Michael Crits everywhere. On Twitch, on go. Twitter. I play Magic the Gathering. I play Baldur's Gate. I play World of Warcraft. That's what I do. You, you play Into the Motherlands, sir. And that, yes, I, all of it. I play <laughs> lots right. of things. I love it. Uh, let's go on over to DJ. Oh, hi, I'm DJ. Pleasure to meet you. I play Akimba, a bio priest who's kind of a boss. Also, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all of them, DJ Knight. Appreciate you. And thanks for hanging out with us. Fantastic. I love it. Hopping on over to Miss Christina. Greetings and salutations. My name is Christina Ariel, and I will be playing Sila 919, even though it doesn't say 919 at the end, but who am I to correct anyone? So I guess that's just where we're at. Um, and I am a Manson Gene Biopriest. That was totally in character. I'm not a dick. I, I was going to say, wait a minute, you're not correcting. <laughs> like, Come on, Sila. Come on. I love it. It was, a, it was a, my first in-character reference, as I said in the thing that I, if any time I saw Sila, no 919, I was going to say something. So That's anyway, right. I am Christina Ariel, K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. You can find me that on all the things and stuff and yeah, yeah I do stuff and things on the internet. <laughs> it's a good thing that we <laughs> use our words to weave stories here. Uh <laughs> All right, and last but most certainly not least, uh, player, creative director, streamer extraordinaire, Miss Tanya. Oh goodness, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make me blush. We haven't even started. Hi, I'm Tanya Cypher I am playing Invicta, a high and old blade keeper who is, uh, you know, kind of throwing caution to the wind and doing everything she can not to be like the rest of her folks. So uh, Cypher of Tear everywhere on the internet, including here. So thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, I cannot wait to see what shenaniganry we get into. <laughs> Me too. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. We have some amazing folks to thank here uh, for helping us be here in front of you all this evening and for the next 10 weeks. Uh, first of all, we want to thank Die Hard Dice for supporting our endeavors here in the Motherlands. We're so very excited about the Musalian Skies dice set. Hasn't been released yet, but you all better believe that as soon as we know when that'll be available, we will let you know, as will Die Hard Dice. In the meantime, uh, go to dieharddice.com, check out their website for all the other gorgeous, beautiful dice that they have available while we anxiously await our Musalian Skies. 
Next up, we want to thank Blue Microphones. They have been, uh, they have sponsored our little production here and have sent the cast brand new microphones so that we sound as good as we possibly can. We super appreciate their support. I've been using Blue Microphones uh, for years now and I can't say enough good about them. Their USB mics, their XLR mics, everything at just about every price point for just about every need. Go check out all of the stuff that they have to offer at bluemic.com. Even more, we want to thank Cortex. Our system, our game system is primed by Cortex and we certainly couldn't be doing what we're doing without thanking the folks over at Cortex by fandom. Uh, as I said, we are primed by Cortex. We learned a little bit about the mechanics of the system last week during our session zero. <laughs> I, I think I know how to use this game. We'll find out. We're all learning together, work in progress. But basically the idea of Cortex is that they've got a set of basic rules and then tons of mods and adjustments that you can add to your game to customize it for exactly the flavor you're looking for. From relatively simple tweaks, you can go from telling a superhero story to weaving a fantasy romance uh, and even a science fiction tale of exploration and self-discovery. Uh, so. Uh, we want to thank the folks at Cortex by Fandom. And last but not least, we, of course, want to thank Twitch uh, for supporting this project, for, uh, for helping us to get the word out, and for allowing us to be here and uh, be in front of you all. So that is our, that is our sponsor. Thank you. That's our housekeeping. Uh, I guess that means it's time to, to start storytelling, y'all. How do you feel about that? I'm concerned. We'll see. <laughs> Ready. It took You're a minute concerned. for anybody to respond, and I got everything like, from maybe, we'll see. Oh, it's going to be good when y'all. I mean, let's see what happens. So we see uh, as we come into the motherlands, as we approach Musalia, this planet, also known as Vatoa to the Hyannals, uh, which is how you say that word. I was super wrong last week. Uh, as we come into Musalia, we see a beautiful planet, familiar in its greens and its blues and the whites of the clouds. But as we dive a little bit deeper and begin to sort of zoom our vision in, uh, we see that it is not in fact Earth, but in fact a different world. And we choose the primary landmass that we see and we begin to get closer down there. We see verdant forests on one side, we see arid desert sands on another and every sort of ecosystem in between. But it's closer to the green side of this uh, main continent that we continue to zoom. And we see a small, relatively speaking, uh, city. We see buildings that are of every sheen and color from the gray of the stone to white alabaster, black onyx, golden metals, uh, a beautiful city that is all centered around a central building. And this building is an enormously tall spire that reaches up to the stars. And most people on Musalia would recognize this tower as the headquarters for an organization known as Torch. And as we get a little bit closer into this building, we pass through its enormous double doors that have relief carvings all up the sides and across the lintel of the main doors. We see carvings of every different culture and origin and being here on this planet. We see scenes of Hainols and Musalians. We see the Manzagene, we see the Solansi and the Misajai all working together in different scenes of cooperation. Excuse me. Uh, and as we pass through these doors, uh, we find ourselves in a busy, bustling atrium. 
that is open all the way up this enormous tower spire, all the way so that you can see far in the distance, you can see the bright blue sky above. And we begin to go up this central atrium. And as we rise, we see floor after floor of every different culture, every different people represented here, uh, talking to each other, carrying uh, folders and files of information and generally hard at work. And it's towards the top, in the top third, that we pass through another set of doors and into an, a large meeting room. And in the center of this large meeting room, there is a, a, a gigantic, circular, shiny marble table. Its surface is reflective. Uh, and as we look in the reflection of this, this table, this marble table, we see the visages, the faces of five individuals. We see our four adventurers here, our four characters here, and another. Amanzagene with, uh, with all sorts of pins and, and uh, there is a word that I'm blanking on right now, medals and, and uh, badges, uh, clearly someone in charge. And so as you all look down and see yourselves reflected in the dark surface uh, of this marble table, uh, we find ourselves beginning a meeting. The four of you have been called, excuse me, the four of you have been called together uh, to assist Torch in a rather specific mission. There is, uh, you know very little about it other than that you have been uh, asked to prepare for off-world travel. But other than that, uh, and we will find out more about how each of you was roped in by Torch uh, later on in other sessions. But for right now, the four of you have gathered at this table and you are listening to uh, this Manzagene person that is standing there in front of you. And uh, her name, she identifies with she, her pronouns, and her name is Captain Rafia. And Captain Rafia has welcomed you all. You all have done, uh, particularly for those of you that this is your first uh, endeavor with Torch. Uh, you have you know, filled out paperwork, signed waivers, taken care of all of that. And uh, Captain Rafia is now ready uh, to begin the briefing for this mission. Now, uh, you all are aware that, this is something I probably should have said earlier, you all are aware that the Torch organization was created as a sort of uh, United Nations almost, if we want to think of an Earth analog. Torch is actually an acronym that stands for Trade, Organize, Research, conserve, and the non-single word final H is humanitarian aid. Obviously that one was named by a Musalian since they have a concept of humans, but it's an old word that humans means very little anymore on this planet, but it's an old world, word from, uh, from the Musalian's memory. Uh, and so it was used in the acronym to spell torch. So here you are and uh, Captain Rafia sort of looks around now that the paperwork is done and uh, she reaches down to the table and taps out, uh, taps out a command and a map, a holographic map appears in the center part of this conference table. And this map you see is a planet that does not look like Musalia, though I don't think it's one that any of you would immediately recognize. 
And Captain Rafia, finally, after she gives you all a moment to examine this map, this hologram that she has called up, she begins to speak. And she says, well, say hello to your, your neighbors. I know some of you are more, more of the lone wolf types, but on this mission, on my, my mission, you will be working together. And you all know that Captain Rafia, you can see she is an old Manzagene. She is an old android. She has uh, scars and tears uh, all over, and she is obviously very proud of them. She has one uh, marking on her shoulder that she actually, the, uh, the outfit, the uniform that she's wearing has a cutout to make that marking more visible to you all. Uh, and her speech patterns uh, are somewhat stilted at times, which is a great source of pride to her. Her speech pathways and circuits have not been replaced, have not been touched. They are all original. Uh, and, and this is a source of great pride for her, that when she speaks, her circuits will occasionally hitch, and that all that does is prove to you how original her form is. Uh, so she, uh, she looks around to see how the four of you react to being told that you are going to be part of a team. And I, uh, I want to jump in and see, well, how the four of you react to being on a team. Uh, what are you all thinking? What are you all, uh, uh, you know, tell me, tell me what's going on in y'all's heads as, uh, as Captain Rafia begins her briefing. For Kimba, at least, he's just like, this is to be expected. Kind of part of the process. You can't have a mission without the people that are crucial to it. So if we're here, and this is her mission. We're a part of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How about our other uh, our other bio priest? Does uh, does Sila nine one nine have a strong feeling about having to work well with play well with others? Work well, whatever. I'm here for a mission. Hmm. I'll do it. Do I have to like everyone? No. Will I like everyone? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting, but you're right. That's absolutely, that is, that's it. Concise and to the point. I love it. Uh, Invicta or, or Eli. Yes. Um, Eli is, they're, they're really excited uh, to work with the team. They, they find a lot of uh, joy from working with others and uh, seeing where they can help out as, as they go. Yeah. I, you know what I have to say? Though you all may not be happy about it, the willingness with which to throw yourselves into a team is very exciting to me. Uh, last but not least, Invicta, what's going through your mind right now? Invicta is curious about everyone. I mean, it's it's a thing she's trained for. She's always wanted to go and do adventure and and get her blade wet, so to speak. But people are just too peaceful where she is. Mm. So she's very excited to uh, see how her steel matches up on a mission. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Something a little different, ready for action. Uh, yeah. And I think, uh, I think Captain Rafia sort of senses all of your willingness to be a part of this mission, which is likely a, a good, a good indication of why you all were chosen uh, for this particular uh, 
for this particular mission. So uh, Captain Rafia continues, this task force was established with a very, very special purpose in mind. This, and she gestures to the planet uh, that she has brought up, the hologram of the planet, and it expands a bit to sort of take up most of this uh, uh, large, the space above this large table. She says, this is Hathoray. Although she may, may look small, this little planet is responsible for producing over 2.4 billion tons of, of produce every single year. Hathoray is a pivotal, pivotal trade partner for many planets in our trade federation. And if she were to fall, the stability and well-being of our, our entire system would be in peril. We received a communique from, from Hathoray leadership stating that something was wrong with their irrigation system. Not only are the inhabitants in dire, dire need of water, but if they do not receive relief in a timely fashion, the, the entire crop for the season will wither. And at this point, she sort of uh, zooms in the, uh, she makes a gesture and the view of the planet zooms in a little bit. So you can see it's sort of a flyby effect of the main continent on Hathoray. And you can see it's just farmland as far as you can see uh, with all different crops, all different colors. Uh, but the, it's just, it's, in, it's all farm uh, to an extent that you would never see here on Musalia, if for no other reason than the the ecosystems and the types of of uh, of land masses are just so very different here on Musalia. There's so much variation, but here on Hathoray, it is just all farmland as far as you can see. So Captain Rafia uh, continues and says, "This task force," and she sort of gestures to all of you, "was established to to deliver this much needed water to the edge edge of known space as quickly as possible, assess the damage damage to the irrigation system, and and repair it. A prosperous Hathoray is in the best 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 interests of us all." She pauses at that point and sort of looks uh, at, at looks to the four of you uh, and is clearly sort of waiting to see if any of you have any questions at this point, uh, though she also does seem to, to have more to say, uh, but she pauses. It's a lot of information so far. And what exactly do you think is the cause? I mean, there's just four of us. Uh, she nods and uh, she turns sort of to focus more specifically on you and Victor. And she says, um, there are several possibilities. At the moment, reports, reports from Hathoray are inconclusive. We are unsure, unsure if the irrigation systems have been intentionally sabotaged. At the moment, moment, all we know is that water that the Hathoreans collect from a nearby moon no longer is flowing to, to, to the planet. Best case scenario, there is a simple malfunction and the Hathoray simply, simply need assistance locating and repairing it. Worst, worst case, well, not everyone 
is as kind, gener generous, and giving as those here in Torch. Duly noted. My question for you, shall we expect payment up front? Or is this some form of a contract? Uh, she uh, allows herself a slight smile and turns to focus on you, Sila 919. Uh, and she says, uh, payment, of course, will be provided upon completion of, of the mission. That said, should you all feel that you require, require resources to successfully complete said, said mission, that can be arranged. Arrange it. She nods, uh, taps something onto the, uh, onto the marble table, which obviously sends a message off somewhere. Uh, and she, she nods, she, she has begun that process. Uh, she says, since we have begun discussing resources for, for your mission, I should let you know that the Hathorean who brought the word of the problem to us has agreed to provide trans transport for the four of you. He and his ship await whenever you feel prepared, prepared to begin your mission. I have a question. She turns back to you. If this is a worst case scenario, will there be weapons on board this ship? Uh, she, uh, you know, her face sort of uh, turns into a very sort of stern uh, expression and she nods and she says, yes. The Hathorey's ship, the Hathoreans ship is equipped with defensive and offensive ability, capabilities. It is more of a freighter, freighter ship, but there are capable weapons aboard. We hope that they will not, not be needed but it is worth mentioning that Hathorey, the planet, planet, lies in a region of space known, known to be frequented by the Cathartes. Now, some of you may be familiar, uh, particularly if any of you have spent any time off-world here, uh, or if you have spent any time sort of working security at any of the spaceports on the planet, you probably would have heard of Cathartes. Uh, Cathartes is a loose organization of space pirates, uh, and they have, you may have heard rumors about sort of that they have some sort of, um, some sort of specific uh, goal or or thing that they're trying to do by all of this pirating, but at this point, uh, all that any of you know for sure, and all that matters to you all at this point, uh, is that these are pirates that have been known to uh, to board and and take ships. So that is why uh, Captain Rafia has made sure that your transport has weapons capabilities. Excellent. When do we leave? She says, ah, I, I knew I could count on you, Silent 919, to get to us to the point. The sooner you all can leave, leave and head to Hathorey, the sooner the problem can be, be fixed. The Hathorean with the ship will be expecting, expecting you by the end of the day. That said, 
take all, all the time you feel you need to make preparations for the, for the journey. Captain Rafia. She, uh, she looks to both of you and you can tell, she sort of leans back a little bit and just stares into the middle space between the two of you that just spoke uh, as if to say like, I'll let you all work that out. I wanna see how this plays out, how this teamwork thing works. So she just sort of stares into the middle distance and waits for one of you to. Invicta, you may go. No, I'm, I'm good. Neither of you got to speak much. I got my main question answered. Please feel free, Elaine. Captain Rafia, has there been any quarrels with the Hathoreans other than the Cathartes? Uh, she shakes her head slightly and says, no, Hathare is, is a very peaceful planet. They have always, always been an exceedingly cooperative, generous, and, and kind trading partner. Thank you. That was my only question. The, have there been any rogue factions? On Hathare? Yes. Not that we, we here at Torch are aware of. Should you require more information about Hathare, its landscape, cultures, and peoples, your Hathorean uh, engineer, engineer, yes, your Hathorean engineer would be more than happy to give you, to tell you tales, tales of his home planet. Indeed. Is that something that you have at the ready? Uh, she says, he waits at the spaceport and would be happy, happy to receive the four of you whenever you feel ready to depart. Do we really have that much of an option? If no one has any further questions, I'd prefer that we get this over with. Uh, the tiniest quirk of her, uh, one side of her mouth into a little grin, uh, and she just nods at you ever so slightly, Sila. Well, if you don't mind, I would like to actually have my weapons and some gear before we hop into space. It must be a really sad life to not already have your gear built in. Well, I'm not a Mansagene. I Too bad. can't. This is going to be a fun trip. Well, me, the storyteller, is very excited about this, but go on. <laughs> are we not to be a team? We are. Then it seems it would be prudent for us to at least keep cordial amongst ourselves. I was cordial. In the Montague, maybe. Kindness is a luxury. But may we be luxurious with one another. Well, let's get to business then. Uh, Captain Rafia nods and says, excellent. I wish you all, all the best on your mission. 
so that you are, are aware, the Hatharayan has the access codes to my direct comlink. Should, should a problem arise or should you, you need information, he will be able to raise me on comms. Please, please note, this is my private and personal line. line. Please use it only in the case of an emergency. Are we, are, we, are we done? She nods. Let's get this weapon. All right. So you all can make your way out of the meeting room, uh, out of the uh, out of the halls of Torch, uh, and do anything it is that you all need to do to prepare. Now we know Invicta wants to go uh, and just gather her weapons and her things and and make sure that she's prepared for the trip. Uh, are folks going with Invicta? Are folks going off to do their own thing? What do the rest of you uh, need to get done here? I am gonna accompany Invicta. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay, Sila and uh, and uh, Ikembe. I'm gonna Would you like to speak with me, Bio Priest? Would you like to speak with me once again? You asked not. for. Oh well, pardon me. You asked for me to be cordial, and it takes a while. I understand this. My intent was not to assume that. We wouldn't speak. It was more that I had the feeling that you didn't want to speak with me. I don't like to speak with most people. This is fair and very understood. I will be cordial and by cordial, I'll do as I please. <laughs> that seems the months again, anyway. I can ask no more of you. I am, however, a fan of being as kind as possible to at least my team, wherever possible. I understand that that may not be your way. You may come and be harsh. I also may not come though that same way in return, but I look forward to our working with one another and being as luxurious as always. I'm sure that you do. Indeed. And and Sila goes off to sit and meditate. All right, great. Uh, any particular location here in, so the, I should have mentioned earlier, but the, the city that the Torch Tower is located in is a bit sort of like, again, if we want to do a real, uh, uh, an earth analog, it's a bit like the, uh, it's a bit like Vatican City. It is a city that is sort of was built uh, for the purpose of housing Torch. Uh, but you all uh, have, have been here for at least a day at this point. So is there a specific spot here in this city, uh, Sila 919, that you want to go to to meditate? I would like to go to the noisiest, most mechanical part. Cool. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that is probably the spaceport. There's a, there's a sort of... Uh, you know, engineering hangar, like repairs hangar and stuff like that. And that is definitely a big, noisy, mechanical place. Absolutely. Uh, Ikemba, where are you heading? Uh, are you going to be going with Sila or are you going somewhere else or what are you up to? And then we'll um, get to Invicta and Aile. Ikemba has the feeling Sila wants to be alone. So he's going to go grab his like ready bag 
Yeah. Okay. Which is basically um, just like his same clothes and a couple of uh, in the hand weapons that he keeps like close to him, and then the keepsake that he tries to keep near him at all times. Okay. Uh, do you want to share what the keepsake is? Not yet. Okay, that's fine. That's why I asked. All right. Uh, let's hop to Eli uh, uh, and and Invicta then for a moment. Uh, so you all can head out of the torch building and you were given lodgings uh, when you arrived here in the city because they knew you'd be here for at least a day or two. Uh, so Invicta, what does your, uh, you've only had about a day to sort of, you know, whatever. So I'm sure it's mostly just dump your stuff and whatever, but what does your lodging that you were provided with, what does it sort of look like? And, and if there are any flavors of Invicta, what are they? My lodging is very kind of soft browns and reds. And it's, you know, almost like she's made a nest instead of having a regular bed because she just wants sure. to be cozy. Yeah, I love um, that. A, a lot of her belongings are still in crates. Her bookshelves are up. There's a, a place of honor for her blade above the bed, but you know, that's now across her back. And there's just a lot of like soft scented candles, things like that. There's a book she does grab on engineering and oh. uh as always she grabs her her blade that is you know with her at all times but she's set aside to pack a bag yeah um yeah. and and you know she does want to know about any possible issues they may come across because if it's a simple engineering issue while she didn't take after a lot of the high and all Heinole, I'm going to mess it up. Oh no, you were right the first time. It was me. It's my fault. I'm sorry, but you were right the first time. Heinole. <laughs> uh, uh, like the other Heinole, she does like to study. And at least if it's a basic engineering problem, she could be of help. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, absolutely too, if it is more than just an engineering problem. Yep. Uh, I lie. Uh, you're, so you're going with uh, Invicta. And Invicta, would you would you invite or allow Eli up into your quarters with you or or... Is that a little bit of a personal space thing or Invicta? Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I hope I, I must've been me. Everybody just froze on my call. So I was like, An anybody? Bueller? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's uh, my fault. <laughs> he, uh, they can come in, mm -hmm. but I'm basically like, you can sit on that pile of pillows and that's as far as you can go. <laughs> okay, all uh, right. So, so I like she indicates this pack of pillows. What are you doing? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, sorry, I was under pressure. Like, I was gonna go check into my own. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm I, sorry. Sorry. I misunderstood. No, 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 no. My bad. Okay, my great. bad, everyone. No, that's all fine. So, tell us about your, uh, tell us about your, your temporary lodging here, then, Eli. Yeah, uh, temporary lodging just has some, uh, things that they have from, uh, back from their village uh, or their community uh, that their room smells kind of like um, like the leftovers of like burning sage or something to mm. the same essence uh, here on this planet. Um, just really peaceful. There's some colors that are like well balanced throughout with like some muted grays, some like vibrant oranges, some vibrant like blues and things like that uh, and some greens and uh, like the, the place that they're staying at is they're make they make sure that's really comfortable and simple and uh they they just find their way to like 
to make sure that they can meditate or um, journal or whatever they need to do um, to kind of make sure that they are um, like mentally, um, they are mentally and physically kind of in a good well-being. Like it's balanced throughout both of those things and they can find a little center before uh, going off for this mission. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I think the I think a lot of the lodging here in uh, in this particular city, because there are so many sort of people passing through, eight torch agents or contractors or subcontractors, whatever, that are only here for a short period of time. I think the rooms that they provided you with are all very modular, right? You can sort of slide things around. The furniture is real light and easy to move around. So that's you know you all have been able to create your own little little home spaces here. What are you grabbing, Eli? What, what did you uh, want to come and collect uh, and, and grab for this mission? Um, they, I think they have like their spear from back there uh, from their community. Um, mm-hmm. And they have obviously the journal that they have. They have um, just a, a kind of simple uh, rucksack. Uh, it's a smaller type one. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just has like sustenance for them that they need. It has um, some things to like take care of other people, um, like really nice uh, spring water from where they're from in case someone needs to hydrate, uh, just various like things to provide comfort to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I love that. So the two of you can collect your things, whatever you feel you need for this mission. You all will be at, you know, after the mission is over, you'll return to, to this city. So if you do want to leave stuff behind, you've been told that the lodgings will be secure. You don't have to take everything if you don't want, but um, all right. And then, and then presumably once the two of you have collected your things, you'll go uh, head to the spaceport uh, and get ready to find the rest of your team. Yep. Um, do we okay. all walk together or at least with Isla? I, Mm. I lie. Since we are kind of on the same hallway, do we want to walk together? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll probably, at this point, knowing how your footfalls were when you're going to your room, they'll just listen for your footfalls and then like know that you're coming and essentially be ready to like head out the door right when you're there. Okay. Oh, yeah, hello. Yes. Wait, I think that's a great Eli-ism <laughs> that someone says hello and Eli responds, yes. <laughs> like, oh, it's just like, uh... I love it. Uh, are we ready to go? Yes. And Victor doesn't know what to do with Eli. Uh, and I kind of sling my, my very light rucksack on and, uh, and I have my spear with me and kind of start... Uh, making my way towards where we're supposed to be going next. Absolutely. All right, so you all can head for uh, the spaceport. We're going to go back over to Sila919, who has headed to the engineering bay uh, to to meditate, to enjoy the sounds of the machinery all around her. Um, Sila919, you're there and uh, and you're, you're meditating. And every now and again, there is a loud sound that is not mechanical. It sounds a bit like uh, like a loud like horn or, or trumpet of some sort. Uh, 
And it's coming from somewhere just outside the engineering bay uh, or the engineering hangar here. Uh, there's sort of a, a large central terminal for the spaceport and the engineering hangar is just off of that. So it's, some, it's coming from that central terminal. And it just, you just happen to notice it because everything else is so pleasantly mechanical, all the other sounds. Want to go and explore where the sound is coming from? Yeah. So you get up and you leave the uh, the pleasantness, the pleasant loudness of this mechanical engineering hangar, and you head out into the terminal, and there are a ton of people uh, all over this terminal, coming, going, working, traveling. <laughs> but there is a very obvious uh, source to this trumpeting that you that you hear, um, sort of right near the main entrance uh, to this terminal, uh, which is this large sort of gleaming white uh, uh, space terminal with you know, about a dozen gates and ships of all sizes you can see through the windows at each of these gates. Uh, but, but close to the doors, uh, standing and holding a sign that simply says torch, which is not particularly specific considering that you're in the city that is was built to house Torch. So you watch as this figure with this sign, people just come up to him, look like they're asking him a question and then walk away. And every four or five people that do that, uh, this individual who is holding this sign, who happens to be about nine feet tall and weighs, looks like a little, somewhere around maybe eight, 900 pounds, thick, leathery gray skin, enormous ears, and a long prehensile nose. This individual, uh, every four or five people who come up to him, ask him a question, and then walk away, he gets frustrated and raises his prehensile nose straight up into the air and sort of lets out a frustrated and that's what you've been hearing. Uh, it is much louder than that. That's what you've been hearing from the uh, from the the hangar, the uh, the engineering hangar. The most soothing thing about noise is noise pollution. You are polluting my noise with your pollution. For the love of everything, stop it. Um, this large individual, uh, you see his ears sort of wilt a little bit and uh, he looks down at you with sort of big surprised eyes and sort of hunches his shoulders a bit and he says, oh, my apologies. I, I'm looking for someone or re really some someones but apparently my sign isn't specific enough and whose inadequacy does this fall on uh his eyes somehow get bigger his ears and shoulders somehow droop a little further and he just says Mine. Uh, 
would you mind telling me who it is you're looking for? And perhaps I can help. Uh, he perks up a little bit at that and says, oh, you seem very capable. Please, yes, help. I seek four individuals. Someone named Invicta, Ikemba, Ailai, and Sila. Sila nine one one. He sort of looks taken aback and says, you know her. I am her. And at this, he looks so startled for just a moment and then lets out the loudest trumpet, excited trumpet uh, from, his, from his trunk of all. And he just suddenly is very excited and says, oh, I found you. I'm so glad. But where are the others? I'm sure that they will be along shortly once they finish their errands. He nods and says, oh, good. And with you here and me being, well, recognizable, I suppose. There's no way that they will miss us. I'm sure. He, he sort of stares for a moment, waiting to see if there will be more. And when there isn't, he just nods and begins to sort of scan the crowd. He obviously has no idea what the other three look like, but he's like, ah, I need to do something with my body and eyes now. Let's look around and hope that something interesting happens. So uh, I love it. So uh, we have Sila919 hanging out uh, with this Hatharayan. Uh, and I think Ikemba, I think you were the next sort of nearest by. Uh, so, so when you uh, decide that it's time for you to, you know, uh, you've gotten what you needed, you grabbed your go bag, uh, and you head for the spaceport. And as you walk in the front doors, it is unmistakable. You know, your eyes are immediately drawn to this enormous nine foot tall, um, well, I'll call him what we as people of Earth recognize as, a, as an elephant person. Uh, and so your eyes immediately go to him. Uh, and then of course, since your eyes are there, you notice that Sila is standing with this individual. Silent 919, a pleasure to make your acquaintance again. And what's, uh, and what uh, is your name? Uh, the, uh, this Hatharayan sort of leans down to you, Sila, and not at all quietly, but very close to your ear, uh, says, is this one of them? Yes, two to go. Excellent. Uh, and he turns to you, Ikemba, and says, oh, I'm so pleased to have met you. And he sort of trumpets a little bit with that, that you are here. My name. And he takes a big, deep breath. <clears throat> and he says, 
is Master Steelsmith Bertrand III, Grand Engineer, First Class. Master Steelsmith Bertrand, Engineer, Third Class. Uh, Bertrand the Third. Grand, but but that's all right. Honestly, you got much more of that than most. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Likewise. Well, two down, two to go. And with that phrase, then I am to take it that you are our pilot. He nods, uh, and his eye, his ears sort of flop back and forth. Smack my green screen. Uh, his ears sort of flop back and forth. Uh, and he says, yes, I was chosen as messenger and, well, chauffeur, I suppose. Is that a bad word for you, at least? Uh, no, no, it is a, a great honor besides the wistful wish is my ship, and I am honored she is allowed to be a part of such an important mission. Then you believe in our mission as well? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. And you can see he's getting a little sort of worked up, and he says, things on Hathoray have been very difficult. I just saw our poor producer's eyes go huge. I'm so sorry. I probably just blew up my mic. <laughs> uh, uh, he says, yes, things have been difficult. I'm sure. From your perspective, what is the most interesting part of our mission? Uh, you, as he prepares to, uh, to, respond to you, you notice that something catches his eye. And so he sort of looks up and looks into the distance because he has seen two individuals uh, who are sort of walking in your direction. And quite frankly, at this point, any two people who are approaching him, he's going to assume are Eli and Invicta. Uh, lucky for him, it does seem that that is who is now approaching. So Invicta and Eli, you spot Ikemba and Sila 919 uh, with this large Hatharayan individual. Uh, and what, uh, yeah, so you two, uh, you two are now with us as well. What, uh, what's your reaction? What are you doing? What are you saying? Uh, Invicta's just like, she just immediately goes on alert, like. She's just like <laughs> looking around. <laughs> I feel like that, that face was perfection. I'm sorry. Yes, that like exactly. The... Oh, what? Go ahead. Like, uh, and she starts like reaching behind her, kind of like, who are you and why do you have our friends? <laughs> um, poor Bertrand, just like, he's so excited. And then he has, you know, there's sort of, to some extent, no mistaking the reach for, he doesn't know what you got behind there, but like, it's probably not great for him. And so he just sort of goes, oh no, you misunderstand. These are my and you can see he's about to say friends and he sort of looks to Sila, 919, I'm not gonna get in trouble, looks to Akemba and says, uh, co-workers. <laughs> and I think perhaps <laughs> you two are also my co-workers, yes? 
That is correct. He just looks, it beams a lot, well, as wide a smile as an elephant can have, I suppose. Uh, and and he trumpets once more and says, four, oh, so sorry, four out of four. Uh, it's gonna happen. Sorry, I'm gonna blow you out every time he gets excited. Nothing I can do about it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so he's very excited that the four of you are here. And he then turns to uh, Ikemba and says, I'm uh, so sorry. What was your question? My question was about our mission. I was wondering what your interest is in it. Uh, he nods and says, ah, yes, an important question. Would you all Come with me. We shall take a tour of the wistful wish while I tell you of the mission's importance, both to me and to my people. Well, and Victor's not agreeing to go anywhere. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, storyteller, am very aware of that. Bertrand okay. is the exact opposite. <laughs> okay, I was just he's like, like, oh, like, oh, yeah, no, for sure. And Bertrand's gonna turn uh, and he's gonna head for 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 the the gate where his ship is because he assumes, hey, I collected everybody and and that's all we need. So he's gonna take, uh, you know, several steps. Uh, who, if any of you, are going to follow Bertrand at this juncture? I'm fine because we were discussion. I was trying to find out what he's got to say. <laughs> okay, I love it. So, uh, and I, I assume, so it seems like Invicta's not. And Sila, are you are you uh, staying with Invicta? Are you waiting a bit? Mm. Mm -hmm. I will stay with Invicta. Okay. So Bertrand's going to turn and he's sort of, he hasn't really stopped talking, right? So he begins answering your question, Ikemba, and says, well... Hathoray is a gorgeous, beautiful farming planet. And then you, you know, sort of uh, follow him at Kemba. And so he turns to you and, and he says, uh, you know, he's talking to you and he says, but the water sources on our planet, unlike here, and he turns to sort of, you know, address the rest of the group and realizes that two of you are missing. And he goes, <laughs> we had four right? Had, yes, had. He sort of looks around. What happened? Um, apparently they do not feel comfortable, but that's okay. Uh, Bertrand looks, as sad as he looked earlier, he just looks devastated, like everything is drooping, and he says, oh, was it something I said? I would imagine it's less something you've said and more wariness of those we don't know. I would imagine an introduction maybe of more fitting. And he says, oh, of course. How rude of me. I didn't even introduce myself. Uh, and he, fa faster than you would expect a nine foot tall, 850 pound elephant man to be able to, uh, he sort of whips around and walks, he doesn't run, uh, but walks quickly back to where uh, Sila and Invicta are. And Sila and Invicta, what are you, what are you two doing after these, these three have like walked off for a couple of seconds? So do you, what do you know about the, the, I don't even quite know. 
do you have any information other than is this who we're supposed to go with? <laughs> You're muted. Oh, 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 was she talking? I assumed she was just being silent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was like, yeah. No, I'm like, I think you, just I like think real you're right. quiet. <laughs> I think you're right. I think she was talking, but I was just like, oh yeah, so she's she just isn't deigning to say anything at this juncture. With regard to the pilot, he is here for us. With regard to more information, we sat in the same meeting. That's not what I meant. I'm just leery of this very excited pachyderm and everyone's willingness to just go off with it. That's what I was trying to ask you, Sila, 919. Part of being prepared for your mission is to make your way when you have to. This is our way. He was instructed to pick us up. He just had a terrible sign and zero effectiveness. I found him and now we must join him. What a perfect sigh. Uh, at that sigh, uh, Bertrand sort of races up to the two of you and goes, my apologies. <laughs> and he sort of bows and says, my name is Master Steelsmith Bertrand III, Grand Engineer, First Class. I have been sent to Torch from Hathoray to collect the four of you to assist us with our irrigation problems. My deepest apologies for the lack of introduction. I was just so excited to see the four of you together. And Invicta just is, you know, like when someone's at, a, at the moment when you're at a party and you're like, oh, why are you talking to me? Where are my friends? Someone please rescue me. And then she realizes you are the ride home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's where she's at right now. Oof, poor Invicta. That is not a great place to be. <laughs> it's so hard not to laugh. That side got me, though. I, yeah. Yeah. Smooth out. I couldn't do anything about it. Nah, I ain't even gonna try. There gonna be shenanigans. I accept it. I'm a laugh. It's fine. <laughs> um, he so he sort of says, uh, "Was that to your satisfaction? Might we now proceed to the wistful wish?" Proper etiquette dictates that before you ask people to come off with you, you introduce yourself. You've missed that step. It's something you can work on in the future to be an effective friend. He, <laughs> I think he, his eyes get really big and he sort of lets out this little like surprised strangled trumpet because his his trunk is sort of a little bit, you know, curled up when he's when he's shy or feeling bad, he curls it up a little bit. So it's, you know, if you were to like run over 
uh, a brass instrument and then try and blow through it, it lets out this sort of strangled sound. That's sort of what he does. Uh, he's so sort of surprised and thrilled that you opened the door to being his friend in the future when he has worked on his introductions. Can I reply to that very excited horn that he just let off? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm working under the assumption that he still has the torch sign in his hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when he lets out the offensive noise, just one braid is gonna fly out and with the flick like a whip, it's gonna knock the sign out of his hand. Uh, yes, I love that. Uh, and so he, like, it all happens at once. He trumpets, you knock the sign. He, uh, his first reaction is just like, oh, silly me. And he goes to, to grab it. And then he sort of pauses. And you can, you can watch every step of his brain as he realizes what you just did, Silent 919. And he looks at you and goes, oh. I don't like surprises. He says, oh. I do very much, and that, and he sort of indicates your braids, was quite the surprise. Right, we should head to the wistful wish. <laughs> he said he sort of he doesn't he doesn't walk away until it's until he gets a uh, some sort of either physical or verbal like okay from the two of you, uh, Invicta and and Silent Nine One Nine. Silent 919 just looks at him and blinks. <laughs> uh, he will hold your eye contact for approximately two and a half seconds and then hurriedly look over to Invicta. <laughs> Fine, we can go. I'm keeping an eye on you. Yes, that is best so that you don't get lost on the way to the ship. And so quickly out of character, isn't the ship like right there? No, no, no. It's, uh, oh. I mean, it's pretty clear which gate he was walking to. You can't see the ship, but you could, I mean, you could probably figure out where he was going, but it's not, okay. it's not immediately visible. Cause I just figured an elephant sized dude, the ship would be hard to miss. Yes. I mean, once you get, you're almost, it's a good assumption. Once you're into the hangar area where the ships are actually kept, because this is just sort of like, think like cruise terminal, but a little more functional, right? Uh, so once you get through the gate and into the hangar, like, yeah, there's a good chance that the ship's going to be hard to miss. Um, all right. So he is going to, uh, he's going to head, head in that direction uh, and recollect uh, Ikemba and, and Ailai, uh, and he'll turn to you, Ikemba, and sort of say, I'm sorry, where was I? You were on the way to the ship. Uh, he says, no, I, oh. <laughs> Very clever. What is but clever? Well, I was asking where I was in Conver. It was not a jo Oh no, I've done it again. <sighs> You've done nothing wrong, Bertrand. He nods and says, thank you, Ikemba. It will take some time for me to adjust to interacting with other cultures. Hathore is fairly isolated and this journey has been eye-opening to me that i'm sure 
so he takes you all uh, with that. He, uh, he sort of resolves himself to answer your question and any other questions once you all are on board. Uh, and he walks you all through, uh, you go through a few checkpoints uh, where you're just asked to show, you know, Torch has provided you all with ID badges. Um, and so, you know, you're waved through and you head out into this just absolutely massive hangar area. Um, and inside there are just as many people in this hangar as there were in the terminal. There are ships of every size, description, uh, purpose. You see small uh, little sort of transport cruiser ships, you know, that maybe will take you from, uh, from uh, uh, what's the name of this planet, Musalia, to one of the moons, you know, like short little puddle, uh, puddle hopper doesn't really work between a planet and the moon, but you know what I mean. Uh, from that all the way to, uh, you can see on in one far corner with quite a bit of security around it, uh, there is a ship that definitely looks like it is decked out for, uh, you know, def space defense. There are all kinds of turrets and missile bays and all of that on it. Um, but Bertrand is very clearly heading to one ship that is about as, uh, about as difficult to miss as he is. Uh, this ship is, the, the hangar is enormously tall, uh, and this ship is, you, you imagine that the docking procedure to get it in this hangar was quite the feat of piloting. This ship is e enormous. Uh, in terms of shape, you can see that it uh, it's roughly in the shape of, uh, let's see, I just want to make sure I get this right. Yes, uh, it's roughly in the shape of sort of an enormous bird. Uh, it has two sort of wings that are coming off of it. It has sort of a tail section and then a primary body. The interesting thing though, is that uh, the way, and from where you're standing, you're not entirely sure if this is a hangar feature or a ship feature, but something is coming out of sort of the nose of the ship to attach it to the hangar bay to secure it in place. And it looks, considering you've just been talking to Bertrand, a, a very large elephant person, uh, this connecting uh, uh, tubing or whatever it is, looks for all the world like there's a trunk on this ship. Um, but again, it's not clear if it's, if its point of origin is the ship itself or the hangar bay itself. Um, but Bertrand leads you up uh, and from the tail section, uh, there is sort of a loud sharp hiss uh, and the whole, the entire tail actually doesn't open. The tail begins to sort of fold under itself. Uh, and once it is completely open, you see that it's opened up uh, a sort of wide, very wide, very tall opening into the ship and a, uh, a ramp, a very wide ramp comes down uh, and sort of, ends up right in front of Bertrand and the rest of you. And he turns to the four of you just absolutely beaming and says, welcome to the wistful wish. You seem quite excited about your ship. He nods and his ears again go set to flapping uh, and he says, she is my pride and joy. Her engines are my own design of a sort. I have made modifications. Did you say modifications? Yes. Tell me. Uh, well, 
we replaced. And he goes on into this whole, I don't know how engineeringly inclined uh, you are, Silent 919, but he goes on to this whole thing. But I, I think to the to the point of your question, he talks about how he has replaced parts and changed up parts and reinforced things by adding material to it and uh, all of these things. Uh, my guess is that that was sort of where you were going with that. If I'm incorrect, I can honestly make up some nonsense about what he did to the engine because I'm neither an engineer nor a mechanic so but I'm happy to make stuff up if you want an answer. <laughs> She's just very excited about any upgrades because upgrades ah. mean you take care of yourself and your programming so she's very impressed. I love that. Yeah, he and he definitely like whether or not you necessarily understand every single engineering and mechanical uh, uh, thing he says, which you very well may. But even when there are moments where he mentions, you know, things that are sort of uh, very specific to Hathoray, excuse me, it is very clear that he is uh, he's two things. He's a very very proud of this ship and be very very capable. Uh, you know, if he's to be the engineer on this ship while you all are are are. Uh, piloting it and sailing it, sailing it, what? Um, he is a, he's going to be a very, very capable engineer. I would love to see how those engines work at some point. I'm pretty good with tools on occasion. Uh, if it, you didn't think it was possible, but he lights up even more than he did when he introduced you all to the Wistful Wish. Uh, and he says, it would be my honor. It, oh, is, please. Oh, it yes. is my honor as well to be on a part of a ship that you've taken such good care of. He says, oh, it does me good to hear you say so. Now, please come aboard. And Victor like has pulled out a notebook and is is like making notes about things as <laughs> yeah. it kind of walk. She's like, hmm, that's a fuse stabilizer. Hmm, not standard. Hmm. <laughs> that's that's ten years out of date. And she's just making all of these notes. She's paying attention, but like, learning brain has kicked in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just like. If things go wrong and Bertrand can't fly this ship, someone should know how. And now she's just like <laughs> cataloging everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing that you note uh, with a little bit of, uh, you know, we know we are aware that you uh, Invicta ha do have some engineering knowledge. So there are a few things that you for sure can pick out. And like you said, there are a lot of pieces that are uh, to your eyes, fairly out of date, uh, which, you know, judging by the fact that that Bertrand has already said that, uh, you know, with the exception of obviously the, the agricultural trade, Hathoray is a, a fairly isolated planet. Uh, and so it makes sense that their technology is perhaps a, a little behind uh, that of, of Musalia or of Vitoa, sorry, you're a, you're a Heinel, I should call it by your name. Uh, the technology is a little behind that, uh, the technology on Vitoa, but it's all remarkably well put together. And you can see how Bertrand has taken some of the old technology and made modifications to it that actually are surprisingly like some of the, the upgrades that uh, Vitoan technology has independently created. So he's, he's clearly a very clever sort just dropped a bunch of things. I'm going to grab them for a moment. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yes, yeah, so he's, he's clearly a very clever and capable 
uh, engineer and inventor almost, the way that he's upgraded old tech. So as you all walk into uh, up the ramp and into this ship, it is, <laughs> you realize very quickly that in the inside of this ship is in fact designed for eight to 10 foot tall, 750 to 1,000 pound elephant people. Um, and well, that's a thing. Uh, you can see as you all walk in uh, that you have sort of come to, there's a, a corridor that has uh, just open sort of doorways on either side. Uh, and at a glance, you can see that that appears to be sort of the engine, uh, engine rooms, engine bays. Uh, you can just see all of the machinery there. And you did notice uh, sort of underneath the wings, there were some propulsion areas there to help, to help the ship get going. And, and this looks like it's all connected to that. But he leads you further on into the sort of central uh, area of the body of this ship. And you can see up ahead uh, where there are, uh, a, there's a seat for a pilot. Uh, you all recognize uh, oversized, but recognizable areas for, uh, for a sensor array so that someone could uh, keep their eyes on the ship's sensors. There's a navigation array to another side. This is clearly uh, the, the bridge. Uh, of this ship. Uh, and just, just to the side of it, or before you get to sort of the bridge proper area, there's actually a large, fairly comfortable looking seating area sort of recessed into the floor. Uh, there are seats all around. There's a, well, little, relatively speaking, uh, sort of table in the center of this seating area. Uh, and then you can see uh, uh, corridors heading off to the, uh, port and starboard to the right and left uh, that probably lead to, you know, if, if it's, if this layout is like you might expect, uh, leads to probably uh, crew quarters and, and uh, you could see from the outside that there are some tactical stations, some gunning stations. Those are probably out there as well on the, in the wing sections uh, of the ship. And Bertrand heads towards this seating area uh, and sort of takes, you know, he settles himself down and plops down into uh, one of the big couches there and turns to you all and says, well, have a seat. We shall talk and prepare and then be on our way. Uh, El is going to, uh, Eli is going to um, go ahead and uh, take a seat. Just, just get comfy. Yeah, and it is, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very comfy. It's very sort of soft and plush. And I think uh, someone that is uh, not as large as Bertrand sort of sinks in sort of nicely. How tall is Eli? Uh, about six, three, six, four. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's probably not, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, like, you know, a child sitting in an oversized chair with sort of legs kicking, but it's definitely like, you definitely have to either choose to sit back and not touch the floor or sit way forward in the seat in order to have your feet on the floor. Uh, I'm just going to sit cross-legged and sit back. Just, Great. just find a good that. center point. I love that. Or you How about the rest of you? Yeah, go ahead. Or you get seated. The camera kind of looks at Silent Nine One Nine and and says, "Um, I noticed you said friend earlier. This, I like this. I look forward to our journey." And they kind of like settles and sits. Love that, uh, Silent Silent Nine One Nine and Invicta. 
Sila is trying to shake off the fact that she was caught in a moment of weakness saying friend. And she turns and sits underneath the console towards the back and plugs herself into the system through one of her braids in the back. It ah. goes in and it plugs in. And that's how she's going to learn about the system. And while it's on, she just kind of powers down. Ah, okay. I like that. Um, huh. I'm going to come um, back to that in just a moment, Christina, because I, I have an idea. Uh, but let's go see what Invicta's up to. Uh, so Invicta's about six feet tall. She She's not a small okay. girl. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. And she's, she makes a circuit still making notes about all these consoles. Mm-hmm. And she glances at Sila 919 kind of like, because it seems like she just like turned off or rested, which seems contrary to the very alert way that she's been since we started on this journey. Mm-hmm. Can't, well, is it possible I can see that it looks like she's actually plugged in or is it obvious? Uh, I'll let you answer that, Christina. I imagine if your braid is connected to something, at least that much is visible, but how obvious is it that you are processing something as opposed to just shut down? Well, it goes to take the shape. I'm essentially charging. So it goes and it takes the shape and just goes into it. And so you see some of them are silver and different shapes. So this one is actually mm-hmm. a silver piece that comes out, conforms itself and plugs in essentially like a USB port. Okay. <laughs> okay. A very large USB port. Yeah, I love it. Um, and, and so is there any indication on the braid that like power is flowing to you or is it just the silver braid that's connected? The one braid that is plugged in has one green light in the middle. <laughs> All right, so that's what you. But see, right Victor. now, right now uh, it's yellow. <laughs> it's like, and all of us are like, wow. oh, I see that every day on my headphones. Uh, all right, well that's what you see, Invicta. Make of that <laughs> wow. what you will. <laughs> I just make a note like, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna like make a note to like check out Silent Nine One Nine later because it's just like, yeah. Mm, usually on my devices that means low battery, but what do I know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Meanwhile, while everybody's doing that, like Kimba's just kind of like sitting uh, cross-legged, relaxed, hands by his sides, kind of like facing upward, but studying the ship. Mm -hmm. Not taking notes as as deeply as Invicta is, but definitely just like kind of curiously looking around, trying to get an idea of what's going on, because... he has had some history in the past with electronics and in flight. So he's intrigued by everything that he sees and he's trying to figure out ways to tweak or change what there is available if there's something broken. All right, cool. I love that. I love that. Um, I think, yeah, I think you all are sort of taking in uh, bits and, and pieces of, of this ship. Now, Sila. When you, uh, you, so you connect in and are you, are you just drawing power or are you also trying to draw some information about the ship? I already accessed all the information when we walked in. So it's pretty much stored already. Okay, like to be great. prepared in all situations. I love that. I love that. Okay. This is just so, for rest. 
This is just for rest. Got it. Okay, I love that. Um, in that case, let's do this. Uh, I will hold off on that until we get to our next thing. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Bertrand uh, watches, you know, sort of clocks Invicta making a round of the bridge and taking notes. And he, you know, if you if you get close to some of the control panels, he sort of tenses for a moment, and, but but he, you know, he trusts the four of you. So he sits back and watches that. Same thing watching, uh, watching uh, Ikemba uh, sort of, you know, look around and clearly take things in. He then notices Silent 919 uh, sort of, you know, connected to his ship and and somewhat powered down. And he, he turns to Ikemba and goes, is she all right? Akemba kind of glances over, uh, sees the light, and is just, she'll be fine. She's probably charging on your systems. I'm not sure fully, but that's what I would imagine. Uh, and also, if there's not- anything secret on here, she probably knows it now, so you may... <laughs> Hopefully says, you have nothing out of sorts here. He says, no, I, I can't imagine that I would. Uh, and you can see him sort of going through and thinking, and he's, no, that, that should be probably all right. I hope she can, it's, I hope that her, her charge center is compatible. I would hate to overload her. <laughs> <laughs> Bertrand, if if there was an issue with her, you would have known by now. Yes, Bertrand, if once she's done doing what she is doing, you'll probably know. She'll let you know if there's something worth bringing attention to. Uh, he nods and uh, and he says, "Well, all right, let's uh, let's get started then, shall we?" I have a few instructions for all of you, some important information, and then we will get you all assigned to your stations. And uh, he reaches down uh, into sort of uh, a little a pouch that he had at his waist, and he pulls out just a, a small little collection uh, of papers that have information on them. Uh, he apparently uh, uh, he apparently you know likes to have the physical hard copies of things. You have seen that there are you know this is all technologically as advanced as you would expect, and he very easily could have probably pulled this up on some sort of a, a comm screen or something like that. But he pulls out he pulls out some actual paper uh, and and settles in and sort of looks through it and looks to you all and says, uh, so this trip promises to be an ex- on to find out a little bit more about what this journey is going to be and why it's going to be fun. Um, Thank you all so much for hanging out. Thank the four of you for just jumping into this RP. Uh, one of the things that I that I definitely uh, I am getting used to as well about the Cortex system is that uh, dice rolls. Uh, almost any time you use dice, there is the danger that there is uh, a, a not insignificant consequence, and so we really only use the dice in moments that it matters. Which means that unlike some of uh, some tabletop games that that we all uh, are familiar with, there's a lot less 
sort of dice rolling, particularly here at the beginning where we're getting some exposition and getting into things. Uh, but I am loving the RP and, uh, and I, I'm fairly confident we'll have at least a couple of dice rolls in the second half. Um, so thank you all so much for, for uh, jumping into this role play. Thank all of you who are out there watching, hanging out in chat. We are gonna take, can we take a full 10? Does that sound good to everybody? Let's take a 10. Uh, we are gonna be sharing some uh, some of the amazing fan art that you all have in one week produced. We have been loving seeing everything that you all are coming up with. So very, very excited uh, and happy to see all of that. So we're gonna share some of that uh, with you all during the break. So go grab yourself a, a drink, grab some water, have a bio break, get up and stretch, whatever you need. We'll be back in about 10 minutes uh, and keep an eye on the Be Right Back screen so you can see some of the awesome art that you all amazing people have done for us. Thanks so much. We'll Tweet and tell shortly. people to watch. Also, Tweet and tell oh, people yeah. to watch. What she said. <laughs> Do that too. We'd love to have more folks here for the second half. Can't wait to see you all again in about 10 minutes. Thanks everybody. See you soon.
That's all right. Oh, hi, everybody. We're back. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, hi. Uh, we, we just, we went so fast, we skipped over the wormhole this time and we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm so happy to be back uh, and very excited about this. There have been a few questions. Uh, it seems I was remiss in describing or not describing uh, some, some particular things that some of you are curious about about Bertrand. Uh, the Hathoreans do not, in fact, though they are elephant-like, uh, and we would recognize them uh, as, as, you know, humanoid elephants they do not in fact have tusks uh and you know we may or may not ever find out why that's the case but they don't have tusks so that's what uh that's the way it is uh, and i know some of you were curious about that and uh and so there you go uh so we are back thank you all for hanging out hope you all had a lovely break got some water i need some water i was I got, making i got more drink didn't actually you got well got some water or other libations beverages uh, you know, whatever it is that you're into. And here we are. When yeah, last Jolly Ranchers. Left... <gasps> Wait, like a Jolly Rancher drink Ooh. or just Jolly Ranchers? Because both are exciting, but in different ways. No, I have a giant bag of lemon Jolly Ranchers and I just went and ate Ooh. some. So yeah. what a if good you see my mouth choice. moving, that's what's going on, right? <laughs> that's good. Yes. I got in some candy corn. Tis the season. Tis the season. <laughs> All right, Michael, what'd you do on break? Please don't say study. No, uh, no, not right now. Uh, I had some of my... My uh, some cookies that my wife made tonight. So oh, pretty there good. you go. That's nice. a good one mm-hmm. from scratch. Always a good idea. All right. All right. Ooh. All right. Ooh. From sc- what kind of cookies? Wait, this is silly. But what kind of cookies? Chocolate chip. <laughs> it all. She all could right, do. Right. She could do almost it all. But she just made some sure. chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Well, look, we love a classic. What can I say? Look, ain't nobody here mad at chocolate chip and fresh and home baked? <laughs> yes, please. Amen. Oh, I like this little check-in after break. This was fun. We don't do this every time. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully you all got some fresh baked home cookies and more libations and whatever else you needed as well. Uh, so should we hop back in, y'all? Yes, please. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's hop in. So last we left uh, our, our adventurers, our friends, our party, our PCs, whatever you want to call them, uh, they were aboard uh, Bertrand's ship. They had managed to, uh, after after much back and forth, uh, they did manage to to get aboard the Wistful Wish, um, and sat down in sort of the little common area uh, just behind the bridge of the ship. And Bertrand uh, pulled out some papers uh, so that he can further brief you all about the journey itself. Uh, and update you all on the various stations that he uh, will likely need your assistance on at least a few times during the flight. And so Bertrand sort of goes through and tells you about, uh, you know, about how long the journey is going to take. It'll take uh, several days. uh, And, you know, it's pretty easy, mostly through secure space. You'll be passing close to uh, uh, inhabited planets or stations. So, you know, most of the area that you're going to be moving through is fairly well secured. There are a few things to be concerned about, uh, though he doesn't think either of them will really end up being a problem, but he wants you all to be aware uh, of two things. One, uh, about a day outside of uh, Musalia, outside of Vitoa, this planet that you're currently on, um, there is an area that he refers to, uh, and I, uh, yeah, that he refers to as the static, uh, that was not your cue, lovely, uh, and, uh, And the static is an area where uh, there are often 
large solar storms that sort of pass through this area. It happens to be a point in space that is relatively close to several stars. Uh, and so as these stars have uh, solar flares or flares on them, they sort of send these waves of energy and particles and electricity and all kinds of stuff through this area of space. And, you know, if things, he doesn't, uh, he, he sort of, He's, as, he's very casual about this and is sort of like, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, they're relatively predictable when the, when the storms and the waves happen and we should be able to time it and get through no problem. But just so you all know, he'll be a bit extra tense at that part in the journey. And then he says the last day of the journey, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, as you all are approaching Hathoray, the last day or so, you all will need to be particularly on alert uh, because they, you will be passing through uh, through pirate space. Uh, and he, he doesn't name the group like Captain, uh, Captain Rafia did, uh, but he, says, he just says pirate space. He doesn't imagine they're gonna bother the ship because uh, you know, the ship is really just a, a very simple Hatharayan sort of freighter. Uh, it has defensive capabilities, but like it's probably, well, it does happen this time to be carrying something very valuable. You all have water cargo to provide the, the planet with some more uh, irrigation and water until you can solve the problem. But in general, ships like his are not, are, you know, they're not uh, transporting highly valuable stuff. So you'll probably get left alone. But just so you know, you know, everybody will have to be on a little extra alert for the last day, day and a half of your journey. Uh, and he says, now, with all of that unpleasantness out of the way, shall we assign your stations? Do any of you have particular experience as ship crew? I do. Oh, I could have guessed that, Sila. 919. I have as well. Fantastic. I have on occasion. That is more than not at all. And you, Invicta? Yes, I've trained on more combat-ready vessels, but yes. Excellent. Well, you all will be glad to know that although all of the ship systems are sized, well, for me, I have the tools necessary to make them more accessible to you. And he reaches behind the couch that you all are sitting on and he pulls out there's really no other way to describe them other than they are ceramic booster seats, basically. <laughs> uh, and and uh, he says this, oh, these, uh, this technology will allow you to sit in comfort and still reach your stations. And as you all sort of look around at the different stations, like it solves a problem, these booster seats, but the controls are enormous and really spread out. And so there, there will obviously be some other uh, 
fun to deal with, uh, but he at least has some booster seats for you. So you're not, you know, you don't have your navigation station up at your eyeballs. Um, but he's, he seems very proud of these ceramic booster seats. Uh, and so he, he sort of begins and he, he gives you a quick tour of the different stations that you all uh, can and will be asked to man. Um, and they're fairly standard in terms of their purpose and, and actually their operation, even if they are a bit larger than you're used to, their operation seems fairly standard. And so the stations that you all uh, will be able to sort of decide how you're going to split them up among you. Uh, there is an engineering bay uh, and he is more than happy to have any of you join him there. That's where he'll be most of the time. Uh, and particularly when all stations are not, you know, necessary, need, they don't need to be uh, handled. He's happy to have any of you join him. He's happy to tell you about the engines, but engineering is sort of at the back of the ship. Obviously at the bridge, uh, there is the pilot seat that we mentioned. So someone will uh, will need to handle the sort of uh, finer piloting and, and maneuvering of the ship there. There's that navigation station that we mentioned, uh, which will be important you know, uh, at any point where visual uh, visual ability through the bridge uh, window, through the, the wind, windshield. I don't know, do you call it a windshield on a spaceship? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but through, you know, if, if visuals aren't enough, the navigation system or the navigation station will be important for that. Uh, on the other side of the pilot seat are this is the sensor array. That's to keep an eye on, uh, you know, all uh, everything from other ships in the vicinity to, uh, you know, space bodies, asteroids, meteors, small bodies and things that, that the, the pilot will need to be aware of to avoid. Uh, and then there are actually two, one on each wing, tactical stations uh, where you have access to the ship's defenses, uh, excuse me, which include a series of, uh, of missiles, uh, defensive missiles that you're able to use, and then uh, basic sort of turret gun uh, stations. Uh, and anyone can, uh, anyone who is in one of the tactical stations has access to both the missiles and the turret. Uh, and so after he has sort of taken you all on that tour, he says, uh, so who wants what? Bertrand. Yes. Where's your communication station? It's my specialty. Uh, he says, oh yes, uh, of course. I, I should have mentioned uh, the communications abilities are rolled into the sensor array as well. You can both receive uh, uh, visual and communicate, uh, communication signals as well as send from there. I'd rather be the captain. He, <laughs> he forgets himself for a moment and goes, well, that's sort of what I expected. Oh, oh, apologies. Is there someone more qualified that has the entire manual committed to memory? Great big, great big eyes at the beginning of that sentence. And then by the time you get to the end of it, he just sort of slack jawed, trunk, you know, was sort of up and out of the way, just, just completely flabbergasted. He says, you have memorized, but how? I've memorized everything that is on your system, except for the folder marked, keep out for Bertrand's eyes only. And he- I do respect privacy. Uh, his eyes get, even, I just feel like I'm always saying poor Bertrand's eyes are big, but he's very excited to meet the four of you. Uh, he says, oh, 
I uh, forgot about that. Thank you for respecting uh, privacy, and I look forward to serving as your chief engineer, uh, 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 Captain Sila 919. Yes, please address me as such. He nods, um, he nods. Uh, and the rest, he sort of turns to the rest of you and says, and the rest of you? Yes, I can pilot in a pinch, but seeing as that is um, taken, navigation is not a problem for me. Excellent. He hands you a booster seat and sort of gestures to the nav station. I will take tactical, given the opportunity. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, uh, just uh, well, take your pick. And Invicta, uh, well, uh, that leaves a secondary or a second tactical station or the sensor and communication array. Mm. She just gives and she gives Silent 919 a little look. <laughs> well, our, our dear captain has already said that her expertise is in communications. So I'll take the other tactical spot. Uh, he nods and says, uh, uh, excellent. Uh, do be aware, all of you, that of course you are not uh, required to remain at your stations at all times. Uh, uh, should the need arise for stations to be handled, uh, there will be an all-ship call, and you will report at that time. But please, feel free to make my ship, your ship. Certainly. Excellent. Uh, Captain Silent 919, are we ready to begin pre-flight checks? Completed. But I, but you, I can see this being very useful. Uh, and he sort of starts heading back towards uh, the engineering bay and uh, <laughs> uh, towards the engineering bay. Uh, and I guess if y'all are ready, you can, uh, you can, take her out of the hangar and head her towards Hothray. Uh, there are, you know, the coordinates of Hothray are, are put into the ship. And of course, uh, you know, any information that you require can be found in the systems. Are we ready for takeoff? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna relay all the information to Silo uh, 919 since I'm in navigation, like our- Absolutely. You know, during leaving orbit or a station or like a port, that's like one of the more dangerous times. Mm -hmm. So just, I know that they're probably capable. I know that she's probably capable of figuring that out, but I'm just being redundant. And before we take off, um, I'm going to reach into my rucksack and I'm going to grab um, a hammock for, and then try and find a place of navigation to kind of clip it with two carabiners to get ready to probably stay around the station for a little bit, just but to, to be ready to be comfortable. Cool, cool. I love that. All right. 
so we can Sila if uh, Sila nine one nine if you are ready you can uh, you can give the order and uh, and off we will go we shall depart Musalia. Attention, teammates. This is your captain speaking. We will begin our ascent shortly. Everyone, go to your station and do as you're told. That's an order from your captain. Safe travels. You hear calling from engineering, Bartrand go, yes, captain. I'm gonna look mm -hmm. over it. It's Captain Sila 919. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ikeba, did you have something? He kind of looks at Sila 919 and is just like, <laughs> in his own vessel. Interesting. Prepared, Captain. And he kind of like rolls his eyes at the captain. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. The idea of calling her captain on somebody else's ship. And Victor lets out the, the deepest, oh boy, if I didn't need a job, kind of Negro spiritual sigh and says nothing else. <laughs> so, mm, I need this job, I need these benefits. That's <laughs> a mood. Don't you may be independent contractors, but don't you worry. It, it comes with benefits. Don't worry. Uh, I mean, do they can can is like a trip to the groomer included in my contract? Oh, I got absolutely, fur. absolutely, it is. And like the finest torch groomers too. Like you know, spared no expense. Um, I love it. All right. Uh, so Sila, you can you can pilot the ship out, and uh, it well, you would have already known this, Sila, but it becomes very clear very quickly to the rest of you that uh, that the the ships uh, the ship does have an autopilot system, uh, and and uh, so that system. Uh, is actually quite capable of, for the most part, taking care of the delicate maneuvers required to get it out of this uh, somewhat undersized hangar uh, and out, uh, out of the atmosphere. And so you all uh, sort of strap in uh, and the engines engage. And it's, it's remarkable, uh, you know, an upside of these chairs, all of these seats being so oversized and so overstuffed for people much larger than you uh, is that as the engines rev up and as you all begin to exit the atmosphere and the force pressing against you increases, you actually find yourself sort of like nestling almost comfortably uh, into these oversized plush chairs that you all are in. Well, I don't know if you, the Hathaway would call them plush, but for you all, they feel like plush chairs and they just sort of, you sort of sink into them as the forces, the G-forces press against you. Uh, and then suddenly- <laughs> While we're leaving the atmosphere, uh, mm -hmm. while he still can move his arm, he, uh, Ikemba reaches up with his right arm and just kind of like rubs at his scar. Mm. And just like, kind of like thoughtfully thinks and just kind of like is internally- silent as we leave atmosphere. Yeah. Um, for those of you who would care to look, uh, who are either in a tactical station uh, or on the bridge where there is the, again, got to come up with a word, not a windshield, but whatever, the, the viewing, whatever. Debris it, shield? I mean, space debris shield. Sh space. It's a window. Oh, there it is. There it is. Maybe it's just space windshield. Anyway, the it's window. Just a window. <laughs> that's what it is. If any of you are in the on the bridge or at a tactical station, looking out the window, uh, you watch as the 
the planet of Musalia, the planet of Vatoa, which maybe some of you have left before, uh, maybe some of you have not, uh, but it it begins to shrink behind you, and and as you as you raise up through the air and eventually clear the atmosphere, you can see far down below you uh, the deserts and the forests and the jungles and the oceans uh, of this world that uh, that the four of you call home, and you leave it behind, and and uh, you know it's visible for quite some time, and then just sort of becomes one of innumerable specks of light in the black of space. Uh, and you all have, have left the planet. You've taken off, you're on your ship. How very exciting. So you've got uh, basically the rest of today before, before uh, Bertrand expects anything sort of interesting to happen. The autopilot really can take care of things uh, for this, this first day, day and a half. Uh, so I'm wondering what the four of you are up to once you know you're clear of the atmosphere uh all the all clear is given uh and things are sort of handling themselves what are the four of you going to get up to actually gonna turn to akemba because i i noticed him rubbing his scar mm. want to talk about it what would you like to know about my scar well, if it's not too personal, I just noticed you looking kind of lost in thought as we reached the atmosphere. Well, the scar was the reason I became a bio-priest. Oh? I spent a lot of time near uh, Masagene. They had bio-priests that were near my home as a child. And I had watched and I listened for a long period of time to get what I felt was an understanding of the bindings of life. And I, my first attempt at any sort of thing related to bio-priest abilities was successful. I found a small animal and I was able to bring it back to life. And I found myself, I look back and I call it now, I call it greedy because this arm was always lesser in many ways than my right. So I took it upon myself to do something that even things the way they should be. And it did work out the way that I thought. So I, I consider it something that is a part of me and something that is a part of my failure. And it is why I decided to become a bio-priest because my failure resulted in the loss of my arm. This is actually a recreation after I got better at the practice. So leaving home, leaving the place that brought me to who I am and also leaving the place where this came to be is interesting. I don't have the proper words, but to leave 
place, my home, where everything that I know, everything that I am became. It's very odd, but I needed to reflect for a moment to figure out how far I've come and where we will go. I hope that explains your curiosity. Oh, more than enough. I thank you for sharing. Is there anything you'd wish to know of me since you were so open with your story? What brought you to this mission? Well, and she kind of waves at herself. You know that my people usually aren't ones to wield a blade or a gun. Fair. And many don't wish to even engage me in that manner. They, they shoo me away sometimes thinking me a little girl playing with swords. So hopefully this will be a way to get more missions under my belt to show that I've really earned the blades at my back. Interesting. What I gather, the fact that you're on this mission is proof enough. If anyone doesn't like you for who you are, then are they worth your time? Oh no, it's it's not the general you I speak of. It's those, the other blade keepers that I would hopefully view as peers. Many of them see me and think I'm lost, that I am keeping the blades for an older brother that maybe had been sent off to the war and never came back. Or that I just think myself above book learning being a scholar, being an engineer, when the fact is that's never held much interest for me. I like learning, but sitting in a citadel or a classroom or building things the rest of my life had no interest. I'd rather be out fighting and earning more of the scars like I have now and not in a weird masochistic way that if I walk away from a fight, still alive, yet a little scar, it's something else I've earned. I believe I can understand this. Although, I am a firm believer in things having reason behind them. If people doubt your capability with your blades, or they expect you to be holding your blades for someone else, does this not give you an innate power over them? No, oh, absolutely. Because you will be everything they don't expect. And in my opinion, that is a great way to live. Oh, many have fallen thinking me nothing more, but someone just playing it at something I'd like to be until they're on the ground with my blade at their neck and they realize that I've earned them just as much as any other warrior. Of that... Invicta, I was most certain before you ever said the words. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You've given me more to wonder than you could ever consider. I appreciate your candor. You're welcome. And I appreciate your... Hmm. What was it you said? 
We should treat each other with luxury. Oh, that that was actually from Silent 919. She said, kindness is a luxury. And I believe I said something to the like of, then may we treat each other luxuriously. Because in life, as we've known, life is hard and long. Should we not experience luxury? Should we not experience kindness in every opportunity? She experiences life in a different way than we do. Many people may consider the Monsagene or the Monsagene not life because they are androids. But the simple fact that they can reason, the fact that they have thoughts of that are of their own, means that they are alive. So different, yes, but life nonetheless. And in my opinion, everyone that lives should experience kindness in kind. If that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, it makes perfect sense. And the way that she wields her wit and those tentacles of her that she sometimes calls braids. Yeah, there's I'm no lovely. doubt she's quite alive. I was not aware that there was a doubt. <laughs> I don't know. There's still a coldness about her, even though her words are sharp as my blade. Well, to be fair, Android, yes. Not any idea of humanity or Lionole. It's it's a situational thing. I imagine she may have only spent more time with her kind than ours or yours, but I feel she'll warm to it. She did point out that kindness is friends, and I thought that would be an interesting thing considering this is a trip with many different backgrounds. And we can just hope that she does warm up to us. The warmth is there. It's more just situational. At her core, she will always be somewhat to the point, as is probably a good idea. The fact that we're having this conversation, were this two once again, I'd imagine this would have been done in half a second. True. We would have had all of this and more, all of the data shared, completed. Very logical. Without it, with being required to speak and have the time taken to share stories and words and missions, I imagine we seem quite dull to her, so it makes sense that she would be a bit short, being bored of us and all. More than fair, more than fair. I'll try to keep that in mind and be a bit more patient with her. I think it's less a need of being more patient and an understanding of what she comes from. And I say comes from because no one is what they are at birth. I'm sure she's grown a thousandfold compared to what she was ever expected to be. And she will grow a thousandfold more. But 
and interacting with other species and life forms. Imagine it takes time to acclimate yourself. You don't know how long she's been acclimating with other, other kinds. That's all. At least in my opinion. True. I like you. I like you as well. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. I aim to be luxurious and all. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, she actually reaches over and gives him a little bit of dap. She, she, she likes him. He bounces what? back and explodes a little bit. Ah, what a delightful first like extended PC interaction. I'm just delighted. Um, thank you both. That was so great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that conversation sort of uh, spans, you know, the rest of the day and maybe it continues on a little bit. And I think you two have uh, uh, sort of come to an understanding uh, sort of about your views on the world, which I think is amazing. Uh, Eli and uh, Sila, how about you all? How are you, uh, together or separately, how are you all spending uh, sort of the first day in space? Uh, <clears throat> so Eli is going to take maybe about an hour to plot everything on navigation, make sure everything's going correctly. Um, and then Eli was, has no, knows like the ship etiquette to go report to the captain or uh, whoever's, you know, captain at the moment. So uh, Eli is gonna go over to um, Sila 919. Captain um, Sila 919. Just reporting that um, we're going to be making our journey at the proper time, um, showing that your navigation of everything so far has been very efficient. Oh, 919 kind of links back to herself a little bit because she's actually been eavesdropping on the conversation because she heard her name. So she kind of snaps back in. And they say that I'm rude and they have conversations about me. What was that? You completed your job? That is correct. Why are you still here? Well, just checking in on our captain. Captain Silo 911. Well, it seems that um, you're doing quite well. Should you need me, I am available just as a call. Are you saying that were my performance review on this day, then I would have highest marks? Your marks would certainly be high, but not perfect. Pardon me, in what ways am I not exceptional? You're very efficient, objectively. For that, I will say. What more do you require besides efficiency? I owe no one my courtesy. It's earned. It is a gift that I give. But it is not required for me to be inefficient. That is, that is true. 
It is my mistake. Your marks are very extremely high. I will take your compliments and store it within myself. Thank you for correcting your course. And then I'm going to uh, make my way over to my um, hammock and like just spend some time just uh, feeling, I don't know, I would say feeling space, but feeling like my connection with um, the crew that's around and, you know, where, what I feel outside of the ship itself. Just like a kind of like, I don't know if it would be a sixth sense, but like, because I'm a light bringer, I'm kind of just tuning into maybe some sort of um, energy or some sort mm -hmm. of um, whatever is radiating like stars or uh, celestial bodies or whatever, but just tuning into that. Have you, has Eli been to space before? Have you left the planet before? Yes, they, they, have, they okay. have, they have, yeah. Great. And, uh, so then it's familiar to you. It's uh, It can be, at first it can be a little almost overwhelming because your proximity to Musalia's uh, sun sort of, uh, and and two moons sort of provide you with such an overwhelming amount of, of energy to be able to use as a light bringer that it, it, for the most part, pretty much drowns out other major sources. But out here, you get bits and bobs and drips and drabs from everywhere all the time, right? All of the suns in this area of space, all of the moons, all of the bodies are all feeding into you a little bit from all over. So what is that, what is that experience like for you? Um, I don't know, I guess like to, like ASMR in some sorts, like just meditating <laughs> into it. Um, just feeling through that and and finding a, a sense of peace and um, almost like lose track of time in some moments of just being in the hammock and and letting kind of space uh, space time if you will just pass mm -hmm. through through them. Yeah, I think that's very cool. I think that's very cool. Um, and silent nine one nine after Eli has gone off to. Uh, absorb the energy of the universe in his in their hammock uh what are you up to i'd like to talk to bertrand oh absolutely bertrand is uh well <laughs> bertrand is a little nervous but also <coughs> like the fact that you memorized his ship's entire manual like he's ready to talk so absolutely yeah Captain Silo 919 to the engineer. Captain Silo 919 to the engineer. Uh, and there's a, a little click and from engineering, since apparently Bertrand has remembered that he does in fact have comms in the engineering bay. Uh, he says, Master Steelsmith Bertrand III, Grand Engineer, First Class, reporting for Captain Sila 919. Oh, and you, you hear him start to sort of putter around uh, since he doesn't hear a response. And now he's really nervous that he didn't turn it off. So he, you can hear him, like he's left the comm link open and you can just hear him like hitting things and trying to connect things. And you hear beeps and bangs and he goes, <clears throat> and then like, Uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it because 
we all know what happens, but uncomfortably loudly through the comms comes that exact same sentence, but like he is right, I'm not gonna do it, but he's right up against the microphone and just yelling. This is the portion where we make small talk. He says, uh, <clears throat> back into it. He says, oh, oh uh, um, well, C Captain Silent 919, uh, how are you? I am well. I am piloting the ship with great efficiency. We shall arrive to our destination at the given time. And oh. other than that, we are doing well. Oh, excellent. Uh, as we are uh, engaging in small talk, uh, might I ask uh, what brings you to this mission? I was asked. And there's sort of a long pause to Bertrand is not, he's beginning to sort of figure this out, but he's never quite sure if you're done. So he sort of, there's silence for a moment. And then very hurriedly, oh, uh, yeah, well, yes, of course. And have you been off planet before? Maybe not in practice, but in theory. Ah, you have trained as a pilot and captain then. I have read all of the required materials and am adept at what needs to be done. Ah, well, I uh, look forward to you having the experience of putting theory into practice. My dear wistful wish, she's a solid one. How does she feel to you? I would like to make a point to an earlier statement that came out of your mouth. I think that it is important to realize that you cannot get experience if you are not given the chance to be experienced. So in this moment, I am becoming even more experienced. The moment I started this ship, I became experienced. And she is handling quite nicely. Bertrand is quiet for a minute, uh, which maybe you might sort of realize is a little strange considering you just complimented his baby, uh, but he doesn't respond for a minute. And when he does, he's a little He's a little quieter and he says, um, Captain Sila 919, though it should not surprise me, you have once again demonstrated a wisdom that is very uh, rare for me to find. You are correct. Experience requires opportunity. I know something of this. 
And if I may speak frankly, Captain Sila 919, it gives me great pleasure to provide you with opportunity. Just because one is not cordial does not mean that one does not maintain wisdom. Of course, and ultimately, as you undoubtedly well know, what is cordial to some may be rude to others. As Ikemba said, we must treat each other. What was his word? Luxuriously. <clears throat> yes. And perhaps for each of us, that means something a little different. Would you pardon me? I would like to end the conversation. Of course, Captain Sila 919. Be well. And I'm gonna hang up on him. <laughs> Captain Sila 919 to I lie. Captain Sila 919. Captain Sila 919 to I lie again. This is Captain Sila 919. Yes, I'm on my way. And I'm going to. Uh, no, please do not make your presence known. Only your voice is required. Speak then. You did a great job and you will enjoy this positive reinforcement. I appreciate that. And your job as well is marvelous. And I appreciate you taking care of all of us and honoring Bertrandship. I am very talented, yes. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. I love it. Anything else, Sila? Anyone else you want to talk to? Anything else you want to handle in this first day? That will be enough kindness for one day. <laughs> Mood. Uh, all right. So, uh, we yeah, please. How close are our stations? Um, your tactical station, your and, in, and Invicta's tactical stations are a little bit further away than everyone else. So uh, uh, Silent 919 and Ily both have bridge stations. So they're both, I mean, within eyesight of each other. You two though, at your tactical stations are further out on the two wings. Uh, and so I don't know that you have line of sight as it were to to the bridge. I'll need to know, appreciate you. You got it, you got it. Thank you much. Um, so, yeah, so the rest of, you know, the day passes and you all sort of settle into your routines and, and, uh, and your roles, you know, checking in at your stations every now and again, um, 
having conversations with each other. Bertrand is uh, is thrilled to have you all aboard. Uh, you get the sort of sense that that his trip here by himself, uh, he was he was a bit lonely, uh, and also he just seems generally. Uh, at ease. If you ever ask him about the trip over to Massalia, like you can tell it was very stressful, him piloting, you know, taking care of the trip all on his own. He's very relieved to have assistance and, uh, and other, um, and other people aboard. Um, it is, and Eli, you would know this as well since you've charted out the course and would have seen that this was the case. About midday the next day is when you all are going to uh, be passing uh, in the area of heavy solar flare uh, activity. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Bertrand reminds all of you that that is a time that it would probably be best for everyone to be at stations. Uh, odds that nothing are going to happen are high, but in case there is a surprise storm, uh, it is it is important that you all be ready for anything. And um, well, it wouldn't be an interesting RPG if something didn't go wrong when the NPCs least expected it. Uh, and so we find ourselves on the second day of travel. Uh, you all are approaching this dangerous area of solar activity. And uh, Sila and Eli, uh, both of you, since you're at the bridge, both of you notice that the sensor station, uh, some sort of alarm on the sensor station is going off, but at the moment, no one is manning the sensor station to take, uh, to take note of that, but you both see that it's happening. Uh, I'm gonna head away from navigation for a, a minute to go check out the sensors. Um, and as you do, it's it's a pretty uh, bare bones sort of report, but basically what the sensors are picking up is uh, increased electrical uh, and particle activity, which uh, is consistent with a fairly large solar flare. And while you're there looking uh, at at this at this readout on the sensors, several more alarms uh, begin to go off from sensors sort of all over. Uh, the out the exterior of the ship, indicating to you that these uh, these storms, these solar storms, this increased activity is actually uh, is sort of coming from all sides, uh, and you all are sort of you're right smack in the middle of the static, as Bertrand called it, and unfortunately there are a bunch of different flares headed your way. So we are going to go into some of our first mechanical activities of this campaign. Uh, I want to take a minute to make you all wait in uh, agony and suspense a bit longer, though, because uh, we want to show off some really cool stuff that we have for you all. Um, <laughs> the folks over at Fandom uh, have provided us with really, really neat digital character files uh, that we're going to be using going forward. They're definitely sort of in a beta phase. These were uh, these were put together expertly. Uh, uh, based on the information from session zero, but they're going to be upgraded and they're going to be more information is going to be on there. The design is going to change, but we wanted to give you all a little taste uh, of what a character file kind of at least at this point in our process looks like. So why don't we switch on over to that screen if we could. All right. 
And so here we are, thank you very much. So here we are, uh, you can see basically, uh, we have each of the four characters, Sila, Ikemba, Ailai, uh, and uh, and Invicta here on here. Uh, this is sort of our central little folio area. You can click on any of these to see their character sheets. So let's have a look at Sila's sheet real quick, just so we can see what we're gonna, what, uh, what Christina will be seeing. Um, as we look in here. So you can see uh, a couple of things about this sheet. You know what, I'm going to, rather than trying to look at it slightly delayed on the stream, I'm just gonna open it myself. That seems much smarter. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you can see on the left, the very first thing that you can see uh, is a plot point tracker. Now we talked a little bit about plot points before, but that's gonna be really important for everyone because plot points uh, are, are sort of your life rafts in a lot of situations and they're your currency to be able to do cool stuff. Uh, so that's where you can track those. Anytime you get a plot point, you can increase that number and decrease right there. Um, right below that, we see that there are places where you can have a look at what stress levels you have. Uh, you know, all the ones that we talked about in session zero, you can take a look at your stress and modify your stress. There's also a tab there for narrator and player roles, which interesting about this system is you can actually click on the narrator player roles area and you can see where I, as the narrator, the storyteller, uh, I'm building dice pools and making roles and the players can see that happening in real time. Uh, in fact, here, since you've got that open for us and people are looking, let me go ahead and just toss together uh, some sort of dice pool here for us to have a look at. Uh, so there we go. So we've got uh, we've got a few, let's see, let me have a look here. Got a few dice in there and I'm going to hit roll and they should, if I'm not mistaken, they should, I think, show, did they show up? Did they not show up? Well, like I said, we're still working out the bugs. Anyway, uh, so we can close that narrator player role thing. Eventually that's what that will do for us. Uh, and then there's a note section there. Now more to the point, and this is what we're gonna look at quickly with everybody. All of the things, if you were here for session zero and you remember what we talked about, they're all indicated here. So you see the first, the most important top three things here on Silas sheet are her culture, Manzagene, her personality, do it right or get out of my way, and her profession, bio priest. And you can see over on the right, D8s in all of those, as we discussed, or if Sila919 Sila feels that uh, being a part of the Mansagene culture or the Biopiece profession is gonna actually hinder her dice roll, she can instead choose to take a D4 and add it to her dice pool. And there's a little reminder there that if she decides to do that, she is entitled to an additional plot point. So all you really do on these sheets is take the dice. So let's say, for example, the D8 under culture, you would click drag that over to the right into the dice pool section and that would begin building your dice pool. Simple as that. If we scroll down a little bit from here, you can see uh, where the skills are. Now at the moment, uh, Sila has not, we haven't taken any uh, any of the skill step-ups. Uh, uh, Sila saved all 12 of her points. So right now, all she has in skills is untrained, but we'll see in some of the other character sheets that some of the step-ups that they've taken are gonna be represented there. We don't have any specializations. That's sort of a corner case for the no skill. And then you can see our six values and how Sila has distributed that, those uh, dice. Just like with her distinctions at the top, if she decides that say exploration is going to be useful in this role, she can click and drag that D6 into her dice pool and that'll just automatically add it in there to be rolled when she's done. Uh, finally, at the bottom, we see her two assets, her weaponized braids and her lie detector monocle, uh, and those are both rated at D6. So basically, you can click and drag and build up a dice pool using whatever of these sections you want, one thing from each section, and then you hit roll and we see how things shake out.
So that's what one of the sheets looks like. Let's have a look at the other, uh, the other character sheets just really quickly uh, so you all can get an idea of what everyone's working with here. And then we'll get into, uh, I, will, I will end the anticipation and we'll get into, uh, into this little moment of mechanical stress. Uh, so let's go ahead and go back and have a look at who's next. I think Akemba is, Akemba is next. Oh, hi. Why? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so here you can see all the same stuff, except uh, his uh, his three distinctions are are the ones that DJ came up with last week. If we scroll down a little bit, though, you'll see some of the more significant differences. You'll be able to see where some of the skills that we picked out for Ikemba last week are indicated. So he still has the untrained. And anytime you're making a skill that you don't have any step ups in, just grab that D4 untrained die if you want to use a skill, right? And at the moment, just says untrained. So that applies to everything else. But here we can also see that Ikemba does have some other skills uh, that we have stepped up already. So you can see instead of grabbing an untrained die, you can grab a D6 for craft, fix, influence, or survive. Um, so that just makes it that much easier to say, oh, I want to use fix. Even if you don't remember what your die is, it's right there, click, drag in the dice pool. Uh, scrolling down, not much new to see, values just uh, laid out differently than Sila. Uh, and we haven't assigned any signature assets for Akemba yet, so there's nothing down there at the bottom. Let's pop over to Eyelies. I think that's going to be much the same as we're seeing here, but let's have a look. Uh, yes, we've got some different skills if we scroll down once we're here. If we scroll, you know, we've got the Misa Jai, we've got the distinctions. You all have seen that. Different skills here sort of coming to much the same thing, but with four different skills. And again, the values at the bottom. And last but not least, let's have a look at Invicta's sheet. Now, Invicta does have a few other things for us to take in. Uh, you can see, first of all, that she actually has, we did a little modification uh, in between uh, sessions, but you can see that she has a D6 in Fix and Survive. She actually has a D8 in No, so she stepped up No twice. Uh, so you can see that represented here with a higher die. Uh, and then she does have with when you take when you step up the no skill, you get a free specialization and we can see that in the specialization section. Uh, she has weapons no at rated at a D6. So in theory, what she could do as she's building a dice pool, if it has something to do with the lore of a particular blade, let's say, she could grab uh, obviously a D8 from no in the skill section. And then unless she spends a plot point, that's the only die she can take out of skills. But, Specializations is its own category, so she's also able to grab that D6 uh, specialization for weapons, toss that into her dice pool as well. Uh, below that, as we've seen with others, the six values, and uh, uh, Invicta does have a single asset rated at a D8, her Aventera dagger. So like I said, this is going to keep getting updated. We'll keep showing you all bits uh, bits of this as we update it, but that's what the players are working with. Uh, we won't show you my screen, but I this week, uh, maybe we'll show it to you in future weeks, but I have sort of a master sheet uh, that fandom has put together for me where I can watch as the players put together their dice pools, watch their results as they roll, and create my own stuff. It's, it's pretty slick, I got to say, but we wanted to share that all with you because it's very cool. Um, all right. Well, speaking of dice, shall we uh, uh, shall we roll some, y'all? Let's go. All right. So, 
Eli, you have noted that you all are smack in the middle of the static. And right as you note that, uh, Bertrand gets on the all call comms system uh, and sort of announces, uh, uh, um, uh, Bertrand, uh, he grand engineer, all to stations. We are in the static, and I feel. Uh, uh, Sore sensors report? Oh, oh, sorry, Captain Sila 919. Uh, could you order a sensor report? Something is not right. Provide sensor report. Yes, Captain Sila 919. It seems that we are in the middle of the solar storm that Bertrand mentioned earlier, it seems that there are solar flares coming from every direction. And, and I'm saying this over the all call. Um, <clears throat> and um, having a little bit hard time interpreting all this information on the census, but from the general of it, it seems that um, there are solar storms everywhere. Um, permission to go back to navigation to find a way out of this. Permission granted. Bertrand, please return. Uh, yes, Captain Sila 919. Uh, if I may, uh, I will do all I can to provide power to the ship's engines and monitor power in all other stations. It will be up to you to navigate through this storm to avoid direct hits from solar energy and particles and to be aware of any other debris that is riding the waves of this solar storm. Uh, the, the wistful wish is a capable vessel, but she will require all of your attention. Thank you for providing mandatory updates. Uh, you're, if you're anything well. comes, if anything comes to your mind that may be of assistance in helping us, sometimes the greatest thing we can do as captains is take advice. Please update at your leisure. Not at your leisure. We are in an emergency situation. Goodbye. And as you cut off the comm, the ship is rocked with the first sort of preliminary wave of solar energy. And uh, am I safe in assuming that you all have taken to your stations? Yes. <laughs> I suppose that's a yes. big assumption. Okay, great. Big all right. Yes. So here's what we've got. You all are about to ride your way through a massive sort of omnidirectional solar storm. There's going to be, there are, the, there's the potential, I should say, for power outages if, uh, if particles hit the wrong part of the ship. Sensors might go down, navs might go down. Uh, it could even take out one of the tactical stations if that happens, so you want to avoid that. There's going to be, as Bertrand said, there's going to be debris flying through, so you can either try and uh, pilot around that, or either of you in the tactical station could try to blast uh, blast any debris into smaller particles that won't harm the ship. Uh, lots of options to get around this. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you all each uh, put together a role for me uh, that you feel like, oops, 
that you uh, feel like is representative of what you are doing to help navigate the ship through this storm. Now, I know that's pretty open-ended, so I'll, I'll walk everybody through uh, all of the steps. So basically, as I said, when we were going through these sheets, you can grab uh, one die from each of the main sections, uh, wherever you feel that there is an appropriate thing for this. So for example, if I was a, uh, let's see, what what culture do we not have? If I was a Solansi, uh, uh, a Solansi fixer uh, who believes that, uh, I don't know, I'm not gonna use my personality, so whatever. I could take my D8 from my fixer profession because I think that that's gonna give me some knowledge of how to work a ship. I'm gonna take my, let's say I was in the pilot seat, so I would maybe take my fly skill die, toss that in, uh, my value for, I don't know, maybe I would decide that uh, glory is important to me. And in this moment, I'm going to be a bit of a hot shot and try and like be really impressive with what I'm doing. So I'm going to toss a glory die in uh, and that's my dice pool. And that's how I'm going to roll. What we're looking for are, well, obviously the best numbers possible. We don't want any ones because ones give me the opportunity to do terrible, terrible things. Uh, so does anyone have a dice pool and a little narrative about how you came up with it? Or does anyone want to, who wants to go first? Let's say, I got it. And we can work together. All right, Michael, let's do it. Or Eli, let's do it. All right. Um, so because Eli, what Eli wants to do, I don't know if I declare what I want to do first and then yeah, say sure. what I'm doing. Okay. So Eli wants to navigate, find a way to maybe use some of the solar flare, like one that can assist us getting out of this because we're surrounded by it. So we're, they're going to try and use the most, um, what's the word for it? The best route just to get out of here, even if it's causing a little bit of damage to the ship, but knowing that that's going to get us out of this situation. So right. they're going to use Lightbringer, kind of knowing knowing like the how powerful stars are, like the feeling that they get from being around them. Uh, they're going to use Focus because just like uh, that, they've been in lots of very tense situations uh, which require focus and, and good judgment. Um, and so because they've honed that in, I'm going to put focus there. And then knowledge, they've they've done quartermastering or like navigation for different things. And they know how to, you know, plot out things, do that, you know, plot out the angles, plot out how fast the ship needs to go and certain things like that. So they're going to use uh, a D8, a D6, and another D8 from my all my stuff that I get it from. Okay. All right, I love that. So here's how this works. Before you roll, since this is what we call a test uh, as opposed to a contest, no one is actively working against you, Eli. So that's uh, that makes it a test. It just means you're trying to do something difficult. And what happens is I'm gonna put together a dice pool first and I'm gonna roll it and that my result will set your difficulty number. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm gonna say this is the this is just the first waves of the of the solar storm. So I'm gonna call this dice pool sort of the default for dice pools that I toss in. It's just two dice of the same type. Uh, very easy. I'm gonna to toss d4s. Easy is d6s. Uh, I think it's challenging is d8s. Difficult is d10s, and very difficult is d12s. So since this is just the first edge of this solar storm, I'm going to grab two d6s, and uh, there's nothing 
particularly special about the solar storm. You don't have any stress that I can use against you. Pretty straight up, easy situation to be going on with to start. So I'm just rolling two D6s and that's gonna give me uh, the difficulty. So I'm gonna hit roll. And I rolled a six and a three, uh, which means my total is nine. So you are trying to get a result of nine. Now, one thing I should point out, and I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but you've got three dice in your dice pool. Mm -hmm. You're going to be picking two of them to add mm -hmm. together as your total. You don't get to use all three. The third one we'll use for something else here in a moment, but you're going to pick two. Uh, so let's go ahead and see your roll if you're ready, Eli. All right, rolling now. Okay, so no ones, so no hitches. That's yep. excellent. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it looks like you rolled a, a three, a two, and a two. So mm -hmm. the best total that you can get is five, which is not going to hit my target total of nine. Yep. So since this is a test and not a contest, and since you didn't roll any ones, you rolled no hitches, uh, we just say that you did not succeed uh, at what you were trying to do. But I'll let you narrate sort of what that, what that failure looks like. Tell us about how you fail to, uh, at least in this moment, find a good way out of this part of the storm. Um, and at this moment, after reading the sensors and trying to get over to navigation, trying to recenter myself, try and get uh, in the right percepting, perceiving everything that's going on, I may have miscalculated, uh, you know, something by the figure of like, you know, uh, you know, by the power of 10 or something. And so because I messed that part up, it kind of ended up uh, putting us more under the brunt of, of a solar flare, but still kind of maybe pushing us in the right direction or making us wobble a little bit. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just realized, hang on a second. Yes, great, okay. Um, I just realized that uh, I have more information to share with you all, but we've got about 10 minutes left tonight, so we're going to save that for later. Let's have, uh, okay, so uh, so unfortunately, your navigator was unable to assist you in this moment. Who would like to throw together the next dice pool? I'm I'll ready. do it. Oh. Oh. Uh, let's go, you know what, uh, Sila, I have a, a special thing for you, so I'm going to hold on uh, to yours for just a minute. So let's go to Invicta real quick. All right, Invicta, tell us about what you're doing. All right, so I am using uh, my culture because knowledge. Sure. So I'm taking that eight. Um, and I'm taking survive. Okay, tell me, tell me more. Because this is, this is not a good start to space travel. <laughs> and all she is thinking of is we're on the wing. This could go badly. And also, I would like to actually get to this planet that we're supposed to get to. Mm -hmm. So she's throwing she's throwing a lot of into like her knowledge sure, of, sure. Of, of training and survival. And then we can have that's all we can roll, right? Um because I haven't can, taken one for values. Uh you can take a value die. Your dice pool can be as many dice as you want when you're choosing okay. which you but you can only use two of the results for your total. But you gotcha. can have, you know, as many as many dice as there are categories if you want. Um then I'm going to take duty because you know like she does want everyone to get back and get safe. So sure. that is my dice pool. Okay. And I'm going to roll it. Okay, hold on before you roll cuz I got to roll ah. mine first. That's okay. Dag nabbit. That's okay. That's Not all right. Good. 
That's okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll mine though, so that we can set that uh, number. And actually, uh, your result didn't pop up on mine, but I'm sure it did yours. So I'm going to go ahead and roll. All right. Oof, man. I never roll this well on digital dice rollers, but I rolled a six and a four this time. So our target number is 10. Oh, and yours just popped up. What did you get? I got a 10. All so right. Matched. We are matched, which unfortunately in Cortex is not enough to succeed. In Cortex, you have to beat the target number in order to succeed. So uh, what is, uh, what is briefly, what does this look like for Invicta who is trying to really pull from her training both for survival and engineering and just isn't quite able to do it? Um, she is, you know, she, she's trying not to freak out and, you know, she barely keeps it together and she's, you know, like looking around, she's looking over at Akimba and then she shoots off toward the bridge actually mm. to see if there's a station where she can be of help, but she's kind of just in the way in that moment. Uh, sure. So she's not panicking, but she's pretty sure that at least the station she was at isn't useful right now because there's nothing really to shoot at. Right, right. Yeah, no, certainly not yet. Right now it's just waves of energy. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ikemba, can we hop to you? You got a dice pool in mind? Uh, for me, it was more a, uh, wanted to go with culture, Masalian okay. culture. Okay, tell uh, me why. Because that kind of goes with some of his background, actually. Sure. Uh, he has done work with space, and as a part of the culture, I feel like it's it's a space-based culture, so I feel like he kind of can understand a little bit about what's going on with the solar flares there. Uh, survival is the second skill I wanted to go with, because, I mean, he's trying to survive. And lastly, I wanted to go with his value of knowledge, because uh, that gives him a little bit more depth. I feel like when you combine the the cultural, the knowledge, he knows solar flares, he knows them well. And because it's a space-based culture, he kind of understands a little bit more about what's going on and he wants to go with those understandings to focus on solving the problem at hand. Okay, all right, that sounds good to me. So I'm sticking with my 2D6 dice pool to set our difficulty. So I'm gonna hit roll and see what comes up. Okay, this time it's a four and a two. So your difficulty number to meet is, or to beat is six. So let's go ahead and have your roll and let's see what happens. Okay, I like that on-screen animation. That was nice. Whoa, all right, how'd you do? Okay, so uh, the total? Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> uh, I got a nine and eight and a five. Yeah, so if you uh, if you want to grab that nine and the eight, your total was a 17. You uh, succeed brilliantly at attempting to sort of keep things together and, 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 and manage this. So why don't you a little bit narrate that result for us? So uh, kind of like Ikemba gets the panel that's in front of him and he more just uh, kind of senses where the flare is coming from and his knowledge of solar flares in general gives him an idea of an equation that might help. So he kind of input, like he's like rapidly typing an mm. equation out and the possible, the possibility of uh, using that equation to kind of dodge them right out of dangerous way. And kind of like pushes the ship downward at just the right second for a lot of that flare to kind of go past us. I love that. 
I love that. Yes, excellent. Okay, we finally arrive at Captain Sila 919. Tell us about your dice pool and then I'm gonna add something to you. The captain is calm under pressure, as always. And I would like to use my Memphigene and knowledge to attempt to pull from whatever resources I have downloaded and find out exactly how to navigate through this quickly and to execute. Excellent. Now, what I'm going to add to yours is I'm going to say that you can take an additional D6. That's going to represent uh, uh, Ikemba's success. Uh, all of the different stations ultimately are feeding things to help you as the pi current pilot of this ship. Uh, it's not exactly the way I wanted that mechanic to work, but we are a little bit running short on time, so we're going to do it that way and it's going to work fine. So if you would like Sila 919, you can add an additional D6 to your dice pool, uh, and that represents the asset that, the temporary asset that uh, Ikemba created for you by succeeding in his role. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and roll my difficulty roll. That is, ooh, it's a high one again. So that's a six and a four for a 10. Beat a 10 for us, Captain Sila 919. The suspense. How'd we do? The total eight. Total so, eight. No. No, there's no hitches, so that's two fours and a two. Right, so the best we got there, fortunately, fortunately no hitches on any of these, uh, but we've got two fours is the best we can do with an eight. So uh, as, we, as we play ourselves out for this week, Sila 919, tell us what this first wave of solar energy hitting the ship uh, and uh, the ship that has been unable to avoid a full force hit from this first wave of solar energy, tell us what it looks like. As I sit on the bridge, I look out through the window and I see large blasts of light, one, two, three, come out the window. Mm -hmm. And I look at them and I say, well, here we go. Oh, I was going to have Bertrand say something to close us out, but well, here we go is the perfect ending. That's where we're going to leave it for this week. <laughs> hey, yes. thanks everybody. Thank you so much. We're a little bit later, so we'll be quick with our outros, but I just want to say thank you all so much. This has been such a great first session. I'm very excited about these characters, the interpersonal relationships, and hey, we even got to roll some dice. So I'm very excited. Let's go around, uh, let everybody know uh, who you are, where they can find you on the interwebs uh, and you know any other promo stuff you want to share with us. Let's go in the same order that we did when we started this evening, which will bring us first to Michael. Hello folks, uh, Michael Sinclair II. I go by Michael Critz everywhere. I, uh, a I'm a professional role-playing uh, role player. I swear I could words. Um, that was an intense session. Um, but uh, I also uh, Twitch stream on my own channel, Michael Critz, and then I play on Looking for Morris Journey to the Sid Inspire with Christine Ariel, and um, I also am in a podcast called The Forge Academy, um, and yeah, that's, that's me. That's what I do. All right. Thank you very much. Let's hop over to Christina. Uh-oh, who's adjusting her mic? Sorry. <laughs> 
did it. Uh, my did name it. is Christina Ariel, K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. You can find me on all the things. You can find me on Mondays through the Idol Champions, and we do voiceovers. It's called Improvised Champions with myself and Mark Meir. You can find me on Monday also for Rise of the Village Alliance with my dear friend Michael Sinclair, and on Wednesdays playing Bob on Pirates of Leviathan mm-hmm. on Dimension 20, and you can find me here Sundays, and you can find me at seven o'clock playing Among Us on Felicia Day's channel. So that's the thing too. So, hi, I'm having fun. Hooray! Hooray! Huzzah! Huzzah, DJ. Oh hi, I'm DJ Knight. I'm a full-time space and sci-fi streamer primarily. Uh, I play a lot of Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen lately. Star Citizen just came out with an update. I haven't touched it yet, but I'm gonna. Elite Dangerous is gonna get the opportunity for people to kind of walk around. For the first time since it launched in 2015, it's only been like in the cockpit. So you're basically just kind of looking at your body, but not being able to move it. That's kind of, that's going to get updated next year. We've been doing a lot of space battles lately and it's going to be awesome. Uh, And I have another kind of major thing I can't talk about yet happening this week. So twitch.tv slash DJ night, same thing at YouTube and also Instagram and Twitter. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming to hang out with us. It's been an amazing episode one. Yeah, absolutely. And Tanya. Hey, Tanya, Cypher Tier Everywhere. Um, this Thursday, I will be DMing our season two finale of the Dragon Age RPG over on Wandering DM's channel. Uh, Saturday, Dungeon Crossing will be back. So uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Central, where I take friends into D&D and teach them how to play, but use Animal Crossing right here on this channel, also Gary Wood's channel. Sundays, I am DMing the season of Rivals of Waterdeep. We are sending our friends back to Icewind Dale, and uh, we'll see what happens. And then, of course, Sunday nights, you know how to find me here. Cypher Tier everywhere on the internet. And this has been amazing. And we got through an episode, none of our characters murdered each other. It's great. I, I was touch and go, but we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm here. I'm doing this. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And my name again is Eugenio. You might know me as DM Jazzy Hands. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DM Jazzy Hands or here on Twitch, same thing, twitch.tv slash DM Jazzy Hands. I am the Dungeon Master and Producer of an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast called The Last Refuge. Uh, we just recorded the first two episodes of season seven today. Uh, so that is going to come out starting next week. So check us out at, at DM nd last refuge find me on thursday nights uh well one more thursday night with tanya uh in that dragon age stream uh, and then some other stuff that i'll talk about when it's closer but it's a little after 10 so i'm gonna stop there once again really quickly huge thank you to diehard dice for supporting us blue microphones uh cortex by fandom and of course twitch uh and thank you to all of you for being here and hanging out and supporting us and being excited about this and being awesome in chat uh it has been it has been truly a pleasure and i've had a blast and i, I cannot wait to see how the rest of this solar storm plays out uh we are going to go and raid indg that's doing some Role, tabletop role-playing games. Uh, so we're gonna head over there. So everybody hang out. Uh, as we get over there, give them some love over at INDG if I need diverse games. Uh, and from all of us, we will see you next Sunday, same time, seven o'clock Eastern, uh, four o'clock Pacific, uh, same place, twitch.tv slash cypher of tier. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask and happy gaming, y'all.